This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, top of the morning to you. Hey, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, the media. You know, some people would say, oh, that's kind of yucky. Media has a really low approval rating, about 6%, I think we learned yesterday. Uh, right, right on par with Congress. Yeah. Isn't that great? So, you know, some, Isn't that great that, for them? Aspiring, aspiring numbers. They, they have something to look forward to, something to work towards, goals. <laughs> that's Get sad. But we're going to be talking about why. They're, they are in a dilemma. They have... What our guest uh, today, Justin, Dr. Justin uh, Bueller, I believe his name is, is um, he believes they're in this, they have the journalist dilemma. What do you do when partisan media with people that actually are opinion journalists that have opinions that they are stating constantly um, are competing with, you know, the everyday journalist that's supposed to be objective? And it makes it so you, the listener, may not know what's true, right? All now, of a sudden, you don't know on MSNBC, are they just being pro, you know, a Democratic candidate? Or are they just reporting the facts? Now, to illustrate this, just because they came out and said this a few years ago, Fox News came out and said that part of the day is news. Oh. The evening is opinion. Oh. And so people wanted to know, at what point does that happen? It's 5.12. Is it 5.12? What's the time? And <laughs> At 5.12 we start. I, I guess you get into the shows that are named after people yeah. later on in the That's day. That's it. And those are more of your opinion-based shows. Not necessarily trying to be news, but right. still they have breaking news. And, you know, So they, they have news elements in these opinion shows, and it is intermingled, and so it's hard to tell and, and it's which confusing. is which. It's confusing the viewer, the listeners, because... You don't know who to believe. So on one station, Hillary Clinton's the biggest liar in the world. And then there's Trump. Are you kidding me? Another liar. So the problem he's saying is we're facing this pro- this dilemma where there will be a day when it's okay to be a liar because you're not as bad of a liar as the next person. See, Donald lies about President Obama's Kenyan birthing birth issue, right? The birther issue. Well, but, he did. Well, see, that, see, this is – But so which is a worse lie? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a conspiracy theory lie or lying about your emails? Yes. But the problem is we don't even know what any of the real facts are because these stations, these – Networks. Networks aren't – they're too biased. Oh. So, but, on, but on their hand, they found that they need to be biased to be successful. You got to pay the bills. Yeah. No margin, no mission. How many times have I told you that? Anyone that stays in the middle fails. So I don't know what you do. So we're going to get into that with Dr. Uh, Justin Buechler about this. I mean, he studied it. This is his – he's been researching this for years, and we're going to get the inside scoop on that, which maybe is why the – you know, the trust ratings of journalists are dropping like like, uh, dead flies around one of Ben's bad batches of ice cream. Sorry. Um, we, uh, we've also going to have other fun news for you, other information, the goal to keep you informed, give you the tools you need. But first let's get to Katie Jarvis, find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Katie. Thank you, Matt. 
Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker committed to supporting Donald Trump if he wins the Republican presidential nomination. Walker has endorsed and campaigned for Ted Cruz in the race, but ultimately he said the main goal is to defeat the Democrats. He said he will support any Republican running against Hillary Clinton in the fall, whoever that is. The New York Attorney General announced that his office will investigate the state's Board of Elections. The investigation comes after polling sites were plagued with issues during the Tuesday primary voting. The Attorney General said that he's troubled by the volume and consisting consistency of the voting irregularities. The investigation only pertains to New York City right now, but could expand if necessary. President Obama met for two hours yesterday with the new Saudi Arabian king. The meeting is coming as the friendship between the two nations is strained. That was obvious when Air Force One landed and President Obama was met by a small delegation, not with the usual usual pomp and ceremony that is given to world leaders. Senior Saudi officials made it clear that relations with the United States will only improve after President Obama leaves office. And drugs have been smuggled across the border underground. A tunnel nearly a half mile long leading from Mexico to San Diego was discovered and more than a ton of cocaine and seven tons of marijuana has been seized. The tunnel extends 300 yards from a house in Tijuana to the border and then 500 yards on the U.S. side to a fenced lot in the San Diego industrial area. The tunnel was equipped with a rail system, ventilation, lights, and a large elevator. Officials said the exit on the U.S. side is about three feet wide and was covered by a trash bin. The attorney's office said that six people were arrested in the operation. And Harriet Tubman is replacing Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. The U.S. Treasury Department announced yesterday that the abolitionist icon and first female to appear on money, Harriet Tubman, will officially replace Andrew Jackson's picture. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew has indicated that founding father Alexander Hamilton will remain on the $10 bill. But on the back of the bill, it will feature a group of female American suffrage icons. The Treasury also announced that the $5 bill will feature Martin Luther King Jr. on the back. And that's an update for today. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate that, my friend. That, uh, that's, you know, when it comes right down to it, folks, you're going to get the news here, and then you're going to get some incredibly deep analysis. Possibly. Mm. What we do on this show. I, I, hope, I hope with this show people understand that we're kind of just two people talking. Well, no, 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 no. no. We're, not, we're not basing this off of years of experience in the political forum. No, it's two men and a baby. Okay, well, a baby, yeah. Okay. I, I forgot that. <laughs> it's, we bring more. Everybody can go analyze the news stories. We, we want to give you real-life solutions to real problems you're facing every day. And today, no exception. All right. Are you confused about the media? Yeah. Do you not know who to trust? Sure. I heard Today's someone the day. on the way in, they're like, you know, you look at the media. Don't you just look at things online and just basically assume everything's wrong? Yeah. Just go, well, I don't I know. assume everything has a bias. That was on my computer. I'm not sure. And it, But you also have to always know who you're getting it from. Yeah. Like, like, do you know, for example, who do you think Sean Hannity is for? Well, if you look at who's been on your show. You'd have to watch, right? Yeah. But he, one minute, you'd just think he would be for Cruz, but the next minute he's reaming Cruz. Yes. 
and he's supporting Trump. And Trump's been on his show a lot. They called it a, uh, a kind of a, a spontaneous rolling infomercial. I know. Just continues for Trump because he's been on for well, like entire hours I of his program. I know. But here's the crazy thing. Trump's also been on Scarborough's Joe Morning Joe. And he's been on there a lot. And Joe's been criticized right. heavily for that. And then he's also been on CNN constantly. They, they call him up what almost the? every morning. <laughs> So it's like, who? It used to be that you, tr- the Republican could only ever get on Fox, and the Democrat could get on MSNBC. Yeah. And CNN was going to keep it clean. But it's this whole aspect of Trump will just call. I mean, usually they want the guest in the studio. Yeah. But everyone's kind of, oh, okay, fine. We'll let this slide and let Trump on the just call him Trump on the phone. Trump can call anywhere he wants. Yeah. Apparently, by the way, did you notice, did you see the news about his airplane? Oh, Trump, that it's not necessarily Trump's been flying around in a in a jet that wasn't registered. Yeah, which is you know illegal. It's a, it's kind of well, a big deal. If you, they say the paperwork's in the process of being renewed, it's not out of. It's out, like the IRS tax thing. It's not his his license hasn't um, expired. It expires in a couple of weeks. By then, he'll have a license. It'll be fine. So it's not like he's oh, flying I around thought, illegally. I thought it expired in January. But there's some there's some technicality. there's some technicality that l- lets it go for a week or two as you renew your li- your uh, your license basically your whatever well, the paperwork I mean, is like it's just like the rest of us yeah driving around with the expired plate expired plate yeah same thing except he's the president of the United States not yet well I mean I'm sorry he's running for it there and his are. and his kids f- miss the deadline and it's yeah. tricky it's a tricky deadline mm, not sort of but there that's what's cool. Trump's getting his hands wrapped around it now. Yeah. With this, with the new. Well, now now he's trying to run a big boy campaign. Yeah, big boy. That's what they're. Is that someone, what they're calling? I heard someone call that yesterday. Donald's running a big boy campaign. Well, I mean, he's really trying to, you know, go around, go around and talk to delegates and try to get people in there. They're having a meeting down in Florida with all the uh, mm-hmm. Republican committee people. Trump and Cruz uh, campaign people are down there trying to talk with delegates, having independent meetings. Interesting. We, you know, can we count on your vote? That kind of thing. I think he. I, I still believe Donald will get it, and I still think he'll get it in the first round of votes. Probably. But, yeah, I could even see him getting it, getting enough votes or delegates before the convention. Oh yeah, because he's, he could clear these next few states could just oh, go his way completely. He's kill, He's he's way ahead. And, so, and by the way, Kasich is second in two or three of the next five states. Tuesday is the Northeast. Yeah, a lot of northeastern states, and that's where very pro Cruz doesn't Kasich, play well. But, but here's the dilemma. So how could Cruz even make an argument? He's in the game. He's third place out of probably four or five out of the last uh, or the next five races. Play clip three. This is Ted Cruz yesterday talking with, uh, I believe, NBC News about how Trump can't win in Cleveland. The nominee will be one of two people. It will either be me or Donald Trump. Nobody's getting 1237. Donald knows that. We're headed to a contested convention. And at a contested convention, the only way you become the Republican nominee is to earn the support of a majority of the delegates elected by the people. The reason Donald is so terrified and the reason why he's got so many of his media surrogates repeating the mantra that the race has got to be over now is because he knows he cannot earn a majority of the delegates in Cleveland because Donald consistently has been a fringe and marginal candidate getting about a third of the vote. He can't earn a majority and he won't earn a majority in Cleveland. So mm. fringe fringe candidate, and then he can't win on the first ballot. 
Huh. That's what Cruz is running with. That's what he's telling people down in his, his surrogates are telling people in Florida. When he talks about Trump's media surrogates, right? Everyone, a uh, lot of uh, speculation is he's just pointing right at Sean Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> you! <clears throat> Cruz is fighting with Hannity now. This is crazy. Yeah. But uh, when you think, too, uh, I wouldn't discount Trump on the first ballot. No. Because... He's not. Trump's not playing for the third ballot. Trump's playing for the first ballot, and he's going to run the next five races and take every one. Apparently, so the likely scenario is that Trump hits the twelve thirty-seven mark before the convention. Yeah. The next sort of likely is the first ballot, then second ballot, third, all that stuff. Yeah. So oh, he's probably going to win the nomination, get, secure it before they get to Cleveland, and just kind of take all the air out of the intrigue of what the convention could be. Then it's going to be everybody having to figure out how you... It's kind of like Brussels sprouts. Except you love Brussels sprouts. I do. But do tell. It's like when you get to the table and you're starving and mm. you smell bacon. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, smell yeah. bacon. And you get there and you find out that mom put a little tiny, tiny bit of bacon on Brussels sprouts. Mm. And now you've got to eat them. I had this as a child. My mom would try to dress up string beans what with she bacon. Do oh, really? Yeah. Did it work? Mm, no. You can eat anything with bacon. No, I. not really. String beans are gross. That's how I help my kids take pills. <laughs> Need to take a pill, son? Let me cook some bacon. A little bit of bacon helps the medicine yeah, go down? That's exactly right. All right. Yeah. It's better <laughs> than a spoonful of sugar. That's for sure. Hey, Harriet Tubman. Yeah. That's huge. That's cool. For some people. Well, why not for everybody? This some, people, is, some people think it's the height of political correctness. Well, no, it's it's finally. And by the way, I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? An abolitionist? Yeah. A, a slave? Underground Railroad? Right. A female? A black? African-American? Are you kidding me? People don't like change. I know. So they're, 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 they're saying we should leave what Jackson on the 20. Leave Jackson. And then we could put Harriet Tubman on the 2. Yeah. No one uses a 2. The whole point is you put it on something that people use. The two sits in a box somewhere in mom's house. Yeah. No one uses a $2 bill. But I guess no one's offended that Jackson, you know. Well, they're just forgetting the part of the slavery and the yeah, yeah. partial genocide or whatever. Yeah, of Native Americans. By the way, it's it fine. also seems appropriate that if we ever add another face to a bill that a Native American would be. Yeah. Something to consider. I mean, I mean, sure. He, we used to have one on a penny. Yeah, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, the height of political correctness. No, I think it's better than that. Donald I think Tr it's Donald, advancement. It's Donald progress. Trump, Trump said that on NBC this morning. Did he? But I mean, I mean, seriously, how cool is this for uh, an inner city African American little girl to have a twenty dollar bill in her hand and she gets to see Harriet Tubman on it? Absolutely, that's way cool. Eventually, you know, we'll have such a diverse. You know, plethora of faces and images on our bills that everyone will have a voice. Um, we're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the media and the dilemma they're facing from a true blue researcher who's been doing nothing but focusing on the media dilemma. How do we uh, how do we grow the trust in journalism and make it so that actually we we get a sense that they're they're telling us the truth? They're not just biased. They're not just you know, in the grasp of the political candidates. Stick with us, folks. Cutting through the uh, the crazy dilemma with 
media, and politicians. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, you know, with dozens of media outlets, American voters have had more than their fair share of options on political coverage this season. But, uh, you know, outlets like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, they're all seeking to give us the latest report on the presidential election. However, according to our guest today, Dr. Justin Buchler, these party-aligned outlets make it difficult for voters to distinguish between valid criticism of one party and a biased reporting uh, from a partisan shill. And so we wanted to, to talk to him today about this dilemma that we're all facing and, and maybe the inability to trust any of the news we're hearing because we don't we can't distinguish. Is it partisanship or is it true, you know, effective, healthy reporting? Well, Dr. Justin Buchler joins us. He is um a professor of political science at Case Western University, Reserve University, and he studies elections, political parties, and Congress. And uh, he's going to help us through this uh, crazy partisan dilemma. Dr. Buchler, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Glad to be here. Great uh, topic. And again, just yesterday we were hearing reports about the trustworthiness of media dropping down. I think it's like 6% of uh, people trust media, which is, I guess, equivalent of Congress. Is is what's going on in the media that the that the trust is dropping so much and the confusion that you've been talking about is is on the rise? Well, the trust and the confusion uh, issues are, I think, very different issues. The trust question uh, comes down to a couple of things. One, if you look at trust in any political institution over time over the last several decades, uh, the American public's trust has gone down. That's across the board, Kenny forms institution, which is part of a broader trend. The confusion is a separate issue, and the confusion is caused by, in my opinion, the proliferation of explicitly and sometimes implicitly partisan outlets. So if you look at the media landscape, you see a large number of outlets from cable news stations to uh, news sites online that cover things from a very distinctly partisan perspective. And the confusion from the voters' perspective is that the only way to tell the difference between valid criticism of one party and biased reporting is if you have some other way to assess information, which means the only people who are really capable of doing that are those of us who are really voracious news consumers, the people who are uh, reading just a little bit, watching just a little bit, it becomes very hard to tell. And since there are so many partisan outlets, if somebody criticizes the Democratic Party, it may be valid criticism or it might, may just be Fox News being Fox News. <laughs> if somebody criticizes the Republican Party, it may be valid criticism or it may just be people doing what MSNBC does. Right. If you don't have other sources of information, then from the voter's perspective, you can't really tell the difference. So I think the problem is that when voters discount one-sided criticism, they're actually being rational because if you don't have another way to tell what the truth is, then if you start with the premise that the parties are sort of equally balanced in all respects, 
then if somebody tells you otherwise, you're being rational to discount that. Mm. It, it is. It's a. It's a. It's an issue too because I guess those three or four sites that uh, and networks that you were uh, citing, I guess those are the most popular networks as well. Well, uh, on cable news, it's worth pointing out that most people don't get their information from cable news. Uh, Fox and MSNBC have very definite partisan perspectives, and uh, they have a relatively large audience compared to any one media outlet. But most people don't watch Fox News. Most people don't watch MSNBC. And I think that's not really the point, because the the point I'm trying to make is not that uh, people get bad information from stations like Fox News and MSNBC, although that's true. The problem is that the existence of institutions like Fox News and MSNBC is that they constrain other news outlets. So even if you're talking about network nightly news that more people watch or uh, websites with a broad readership, those sites uh, and those outlets are constrained in what they can do by the existence of Fox and MSNBC. The existence of Fox and MSNBC make it rational for voters paying attention to other outlets. Hmm. To discount one-sided criticism. So it's not that too many people watch Fox and MSNBC. It's that the existence of these kinds of stations make it, it makes it difficult for viewers to distinguish valid criticism uh, from uh, partisan uh, uh, coverage when it comes from other outlets. Hmm. And they can't actually – because if another outlet uh, – you know, goes and and gathers more data and validates a story. They they can't. You're saying they can't. The average viewer or listener, they're not easily distinguishing if that's real data, real factual criticism, or if it's just biased. Um, basically, yes. And the problem is that most uh, uh, most news consumers aren't going to go very far out of their way to check any one piece of information. The problem is most news consumers are going to maybe read one story online, then they think they have the gist of it, and they don't read five more stories on the same topic to see how other outlets cover it. And from the perspective of uh, a news consumer just trying to gather information efficiently, uh, it doesn't. It, it 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 defeats the purpose if you have to go and check five more news sources to try to figure out what the truth is. Hmm. What what um, what do you sense led to the shift? Because I guess a lot of this is just opinion based journalism, um, which which seems to be clouding up really the ethic of journalism. Well, I think that's part of it. I I think it's a big part that we have so many partisan media outlets that that cover news in an opinion-based manner, because the existence of these outlets is what makes it rational for voters to discount any kind of one-sided criticism. Um, But I, I think the other factor here is journalistic norms. So journalists are expected to cover politics from a sort of neutral perspective in which they uh, assert that both parties are equally extreme, they're equally honest, they're equally dishonest, etc. So uh, journalists, if, if they break from that norm, they get lumped in with uh, the more opinion-based outlets. 
So if one candidate lies and the other tells the truth, the journalists can can do one of two things. They can either call the liar a liar or they can obey journalistic norms because journalistic norms require pretending that both candidates are always equally honest and equally dishonest. So the problem is that if one candidate lies, journalists can't point that out without breaking from journalistic norms. And those mm. journalistic norms uh, predate the modern media landscape. Those journalistic norms have been in existence for a long time, and they sort of date back to the muckraking era where we started to see journalism break away from the 19th century model where newspapers were basically party-owned operations. Hmm. So it was uh, – then the, then the journalists created these norms and said, we're going to, I guess, live this different standard. And, and then but we've had another shift recently, right? The drudge shift. I don't know what we call it, but the just the, the mass proliferation of pseudo-journalists and um, – but also opinion, opinion-based journalism. Well, yes. Uh, so I, I think it's it's the combination of all of these hmm. factors because the uh, the journalistic norms on their own, if you didn't have the partisan media outlets, in principle, journalists could violate those norms, and that would simply be a signal to voters that politics are not really symmetric and that one party is doing something that breaks from political norms. Hmm. But once you add in the broad array of partisan outlets and uh, opinion-based journalism, that combination is what makes it difficult for voters. Yeah, and uh, you, in your article um, in theconversation.com, you make a great point about lying that I, that I want to come back and talk to, uh, about because it, it really – it's an interesting thing. I mean Donald Trump can lie. Hillary Clinton can lie and um, yet – their lies may not be the same, and we, we don't even have a, a good uh, evaluation of that. So let's come back, uh, Justin. We're speaking with uh, Justin, uh, Dr. Justin Buechler um, from Case Western Reserve University. He's helping us sort through the journalist, uh, the, journalist, the journalist dilemma, which is trying to understand, boy, at what point do we are we able to, to say what needs to be said and, and not necessarily appear as if we're just being a biased journalist? And, and is that confusing the audience, um, those that are reading and learning and, and watching these stories? It's an interesting problem that the media is facing and, and in turn that we're facing as a country. So stick with us. We'll continue this discussion about partisan media and its impact on all of us. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line with us is Dust, uh, Dr. Justin Buchler. He's a professor of political science at Case Western Reserve University. He uh, is also um, has a great blog at uh, theunmutual.blogspot.com and uh, is the author of the book Hiring and Firing Public Officials, Rethinking the Purpose of Elections, that was uh, published by Oxford University Press. Dr. Buchler, welcome back. Thanks again for being with us. Glad to be here. 
this uh, one of the dilemmas that I guess is part of the the journalist dilemma is um, like pointing out lies and and catching, I guess, if you actually brought out a fact that was really new and important to bring out as a journalist, I guess bringing that, that maybe is catching a, a, a politician, let's say, in a mistruth or a lie. Um, it, it it's just kind of gets lost, it sounds like, is your argument, and it gets muddied because even if it's true and factual, it just gets either taken into being partisanship or or irrelevant. Yes, that that's basically the argument. I would say uh, muddied rather than lost. Yeah. And the basic problem is that the only uh, journalists, because journalists themselves are voracious consumers of information, they can, as long as they look past partisan blinders, figure out what's real, what's not, when somebody is just lying. But from the audience perspective, if you aren't the type of person who reads widely, then it gets hard to tell the difference. So I would say muddied rather than mm. lost. Well, and I, you give a great example of that in your article um, with the debate in 2012 with Mitt Romney when Candy Crowley kind of jumped in and corrected a statement that Mitt had made, um, yeah. which which factually seemed accurate, um, but uh, had major blowback, didn't she? Yeah. Well, I mean, what happened uh, was Mitt Romney had made a statement about uh, what happened after Benghazi that the Obama administration had not called uh, it an act of terrorism. And in fact, in the press conference immediately after, Afterwards, Barack Obama did call it terrorism, uh, but this is one of these myths that got bandied around on uh, Fox News and other Republican outlets. And it, it, it's hard to tell whether or not Mitt Romney actually believed it, but there's video clip, and when Mitt Romney said it uh, during the debate, Candy Crowley uh, interrupted and pointed out that there was actually video contradicting Mitt Romney's statement. And what happened in the aftermath was that Republicans decided that they couldn't have Candy Crowley moderating debate. And from the journalist perspective, Candy Crowley actually was violating norms of how debates are moderated mm. in a very serious way. But she was put in this position where she could do one of two things. She could either allow a lie to stand or she could violate journalistic norms in a very direct way, uh, and she chose the latter, which means that she will never again be allowed hmm. to moderate a debate. Right. Because what what each side wants in a debate moderator is somebody who is going to obey journalistic norms. And Kenny Crowley violated journalistic norms in favor of correcting something that was a falsehood. Hmm. So there's the dilemma. Right. I mean, yes, what's your role yeah. and, and what role yeah, do they want to yeah. play? Wow. And that's exactly right. And there's no out. I mean, one of the things you mentioned is there's no there's no solution to this, apparently. Well, I, I don't want to say there is no solution, but I will say that I can't figure one out. <laughs> and the, the, I, the basic problem is uh, that from a uh maybe weekly informed voters perspective it is rational to discount one-sided criticism as long as there are partisan media outlets out there uh 
it's probably not accurate to say there is no solution because we did see the development of uh, of muckraking journalism come out of a tradition in which newspapers were party-owned. So we have seen in the past transitions from uh, what we might call biased journalism into a more neutral, objective form of journalism. Uh, But it took a fundamental transformation of the media landscape. It took moving from newspapers being party-owned to newspapers being independent outlets. Mm. And that was a dramatic transformation in the basic structure of the media. Um, So in principle, it may be possible for media structures to change. I just don't know how. How do you sort through it? Do you do you have specific sites you go to that you feel are more neutral, more objective? Or do you just try to read everything? I I, yeah, I try to get news from a variety of sources, but uh, I have an advantage having already read a lot. And this is the basic point that those of us who are really uh, uh, active news consumers, those of us who read the news obsessively, uh, are better able to figure out what is biased and what is not. And uh, by getting news from a variety of sources, uh, it's easier to see the patterns and sort out what is true from what is not true. It's just that that takes a lot of time. Right. I spend probably several hours a day every day just reading news, and I do that because it's my job. Most people don't have the time to put into that. Mm. Is what would you what would you suggest if you were being called in? you know, to some of these uh, organizations to consult with them? What would you suggest to the organization to kind of to um, play the role better of journalism? Um, I, I think it, there's no good answer. I think that for journalists who try to both obey journalistic norms and uh, uh, point out the truth, uh, when politics aren't necessarily symmetric, I think that the best they can do is try to uh, uh, how do I put this? So in the the academic paper that was the basis for the conversation piece, uh, I used as uh, an example debate negotiations over the debt ceiling and what happens when you have a uh, negotiation between two parties and one party makes asymmetric demands. And in that case, if the journalists are unable to point out when one party is making asymmetric demands, then that party can get away with making asymmetric demands. So in the academic uh, version of the paper, uh, what I suggest is that it is possible for journalists to simply describe the demands being made by each party so that somebody who is at least thinking about the news can draw an inference without that inference being directly stated. Hmm. Um, That that is a solution that is specifically tailored to situations like negotiation of the debt ceiling when it's possible that one party makes asymmetric demands. When it comes to pointing out a lie, I think it's harder because when it comes to pointing out a lie, um, there isn't a lot of nuance. No. You're, you're, you're uh, kind of is, stating it, right? You're like, but I guess, yeah. couldn't you just state 
so and so says this, and so and so from the State Department shows this. I mean, just the, can't you yeah. just show the discrepancy and let it fester? Well, you can fester. show the discrepancy, but but the the more passively you do it, the more it comes down to sounding like he said, she said. Uh huh. Exactly. And huh. the pro- yeah, and the problem is that if you cover a lie in a he said, she said mode, then you're not actually pointing out that the lie is a lie. Mm-hmm. And boy, the journalist's dilemma again. Like yes, what, that's the journalist's dilemma. And, and wow. And the funny thing is, is we're all just watching, not even paying attention, you know, to, to see this at this level. Um, but I guess what it also does, and one of the things you po- posited in your article is it might be setting us up for journalists to be lying even more. Not journalists, sorry, politicians, people in the media are just lying more because they can't be distinguished. Um, I think that's that's a danger because if you always have the option of uh, saying that what any journalist who criticizes you is a shill for your opponent. Yeah. And if that criticism is likely to be believed by voters, then there's no disincentive to lying. True, huh? And it, yeah, it's all, but it's also worth pointing out. Uh, what I think is kind of paradoxical about this is that uh, it's not that Fox News enables Republicans to lie and MSNBC enables Democrats to lie. It's the other way around. Uh, Fox News enables Republic or Democrats to lie because anytime somebody accuses a Democrat of lying, the Democrat can say, "Oh, that's just people acting yeah. like Fox News." A right wing conspiracy. Right. And, and and the flip side of that is MSNBC enables the Republicans. Uh, to lie because they can talk about left-wing journalism. And and since MSNBC is real, news consumers won't necessarily be able to tell the difference between valid criticism from a neutral journalist and the kind of thing that you would get if you turned on MSNBC. Wow, Justin, because I've got to ask you this now. So we, we already have the journalist dilemma that's been going on for years now, apparently. And then we insert Donald Trump. Like, I mean, it, what yeah. what does that do to you? Because it really, it seems like he is the master probably of taking advantage of this current state of the media. Um, well, possibly, but... Because uh, he knows I how to say Trump so really, much. Yes. Well, I mean, so there are a couple of issues with Donald Trump. One is uh, that... His lies are really big lies. I mean, he became a political figure by peddling conspiracy theories about Obama's birth certificate, which is total nonsense. And that's how he became a major political figure. Uh, the other thing is he lies so consistently, so so often that uh, that any journalist trying to cover Donald Trump in, in an objective way just gets buried under so much nonsense that it's impossible to point out uh, all of the dishonesty in it. Yeah. But there's another there, there's another issue with Donald Trump, which is that uh, we've never seen a presidential candidate more hated by the media. Uh, journalists really, truly detest him. He treats journalists very poorly. Uh, we've seen 
seen what happens if a journalist ever challenges him. I, we, we saw what happened to Megyn Kelly. Right. And that this creates a level of hostility towards Donald Trump among uh, journalists that might actually uh, convince enough journalists to uh, treat him differently. But, of course, if they treat him differently, the flip side is Donald Trump can then say that the media are all out to get him and mm-hmm. he's right. And and and, re, and stir the pot. And then again, like you were saying, it it really makes it so. Um, it also confuses the Hillary Clinton side of the race um, because now her lies are different than his lies. Whose lies are worse? But we now we don't know. We don't know if they're they are lying because of the partisanship, and it just adds more confusion, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and and uh, the the structure of the system could it it, it could enable and even incentivize Hillary Clinton to lie more because mm. and she's she's a politician. Politicians are frequently uh, dishonest, but uh, if if one's opponent is Donald Trump, uh, you can get away with a lot more dishonesty right. simply because by comparison anybody looks honest. That's true. Uh, so uh, Donald Trump really does uh, confuse uh, the process. And journalists don't know how to deal with him because he, he he really does lie more brazenly and more often. And it's impossible to point that out without violating norms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, add to that, and add to that then the fact that journalists really do hate Donald Trump so much that they really will be out to get him. <laughs> and Donald Trump can say there's a media conspiracy right. and he'd almost be right. That's right. Well, and and yeah, and still beat him up. Yeah, right. powerful. Wow, interesting insight. Uh, Dr. Justin Buecher, thanks so much for being with us. Glad to do it. Powerful insight. Um, confusing, huh, folks? It's the dilemma. The journalist's dilemma, right? But then all of a sudden, too, it's it becomes our dilemma. Who do you trust? Who Who really do you think you can believe in? It's confusing, isn't it? And, uh, boy, is it just going to be more and more lies because we're so confused? Who knows? Stick with us, folks. We'll continue the discussion uh, after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Boy, how do you how do you know who to trust? For heaven's sakes, you can't you can't necessarily trust the media. And isn't it sad? Even the media, the journalists that are just trying to be journalists and objective, and and follow the journalistic standard, right? They're they're going to get beat up for not necessarily reporting a lie. Or, you know, just trying to remain neutral. Or you're going to beat up the opposing, you know, partisan journalist, the one that doesn't or that does report stuff that uh, doesn't jive with your candidate. So what what part, as you think about this, are you? What part of this are you, the listener, the voter? What part of this dilemma of, you know, maybe even fostering a situation where our politicians can lie more and more to us and we actually care less 
What part of that do you play? Oh, now you're blaming me, Matt. Always blaming me. Yeah, well, if you don't care, why would they need to be honest? If you don't read enough to discern what the truth is, why would anybody need to be honest? And in the end, that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. That's our responsibility. We've got to care. And we just sit here and we joke about it all the time on the show. But this political process is getting crazy. And if it comes down to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, holy cow. Uh, Hillary Clinton's been claiming a right-wing conspiracy for 20-something years. So we don't have to believe any negative journalism on her, right? Because it's just obviously the right wing. And can you imagine what Donald Trump would say about Hillary Clinton? And who's going to actually sort that out? And what might just happen is I guess we're going to get so mad and frustrated with these people that we're just going to what? Donald Trump's going to say, I mean, he's already saying that uh, the Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill is just pure political correctness. So he throws that out there and all of the liberal media are like, oh, and they collapse on him. And he's like, see, just a bunch of liberals wanting political correctness. Folks, you're going to have to sort through it. And again, it doesn't matter your, who you want. If you want Ted Cruz, it doesn't matter. The problem is going to be the same. Right-wing conspiracy versus left-wing conspiracy. How many times have the media been booed in the debates? Which tells us that uh, the media is in this weird polarized situation. Because of partisan media, a really good journalist never gets listened to. We don't hear them. And they, until, you know, something really happens, you're not going to hear the truth. Um, so pay attention to it. And don't just fall prey to, to what the journalists are saying, but use your mind. Sort it out. You don't need to go read the news two hours a day, but you, you should be skeptical of everything you're hearing. And weigh it. Balance it on what you know to be true and go find some real good sources that you trust. Go find your favorite journalist that you do trust and follow them. Anyway, we'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. There's good. You just got to gotta sift through some bad to get there. We'll take a break, folks. We'll come back. By the way, happy high five day. High five. Go give somebody a high five today. Uh, Ben's sticking out his hand to give me a high five. We'll do it later, Ben. Uh, we'll take a break, folks. Thanks. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. This is the show, folks, where we help you see the good in the world. We, we try to help you live longer. We help your relationships. We give you uh, incredibly uh, deep insight and analysis of life's issues. Really? Mm-hmm. Deep? 
Deep. Oh. Profoundly deep. And we laugh. Sometimes we hang out in the shallow end of the pool, though. Yeah. It's a lot easier to swim there. Yeah, so it is. It's also, yeah, it's... Occasionally, it's not swimming. Okay, it's just moving occasionally we go off the high dive and you 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 know kind of drowned a little bit, but then you yeah. come back. You're okay. Well, that, then I'm exhausted. I need to swim to the shallow end. Yeah, hang out with you guys. <laughs> come over <laughs> yeah, here, Matt. Yeah. The water's fine. Hey, it's high five day, which is something you guys. I've never seen two people give high fives more than you and Ben. What? I've just never touched that man in my life. <laughs> touching Ben's high five hand. It's kickball day. Kickball was one of the greatest uh, games invented. Mm-hmm. The uh, bouncier ball. Did you ever the red ha- playground ball? Uh-huh. Yeah. How did you like the ball? You know how you tell the pitcher how you want the ball like, oh. pitched. Like you're like, okay, oh, yeah, I yeah, want yeah. it slow and a little bouncy. Sure, <laughs> you can time it. Yeah, then yeah. you crack it. What was your favorite pitch? I did. They just threw it. They, you didn't tell them. Hey, oh. I want it slow and a little bouncy. Yeah, I'm okay. Well, we didn't make it so that our pitcher was like on our team. Oh, yeah. See, so you had to do it that way. Then you had a huge. Then it was all offense. No, it was fine. We played differently. We also played with Nerf soccer balls. Oh. Those sponge foamy yeah, ones, yeah. not the big playground ones. Because the playground ones would go super far. Right. That's that's what made it fun. Yeah. And you could throw those at each other. I guess we, we the had, Nerf you could. We too. had some limited space, so the, the Nerf you had to use it that way. Probably because somebody got hurt. And then I they took it. the Nerf balls away. I'm glad we have a day for kickball day. Yeah. Go out and play kickball. There's probably an, an adult league near you. Oh, sure. It's just like baseball, but you just use a ball and you kick it. You can't right. use a bat. But like Ben, when we played it the other day, he did wear a helmet. Well, and elbow pads and knee pads. Yeah, he is, he's a, he is accident prone. Yeah, yeah. You you can never be too careful. So I thought I'd just well, apparently like yeah. pad up and. It's also kindergarten day. Guess what I have today? Kindergarten meeting. Kindergarten orientation. <gasps> Those are great. I don't know if the two have if they know this or if they're doing it on purpose or if probably. it just happened. But probably yeah. So we, we get to go learn about kindergarten today. You and your son. And I think my wife's taking some time off work to go do it. That's a big day. Yeah, sure. And he'll get to see the room yeah. and the teacher. Wow, this is a big deal. Is this... he half day or full day? I think he's going to go half. Yeah, that's what I did. I think they half day the for, for kindergarten at the Haven't school. Haven't you been going half day since kindergarten? I don't know if um, you graduated kindergarten. Yeah, technically I'm still in kindergarten. Yeah. Well, no, you've been going half day. He, he just work. couldn't. He just couldn't get nap time and snack time. They're just a little difficult oh, for him. I love yeah. preschool. Do you remember graham cracker time when you had your graham cracker, graham cracker, and then you got to go take your nap? Oh, I love that. Well, the time. problem is my kindergarten. They didn't have graham crackers, so I had to get them at home. That's why I went half day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's almost too much information. Yeah. So yeah, kindergarten day. I'll uh, keep by you the updated. way, we got we got to get. Uh, I got to tell you, you guys love video games, so you're going to love our guest today. His name is Steve Cam, and uh, he's going to teach us how to use your favorite video game and or movie to level up your life. So he, he, he was sick and tired of seeing all of the people in the movies having all the fun and having the incredible life that he wanted to, you know, relive moments from movies and, and bring them into his life, but to do it in a way – to jumpstart his life. So his life became more exciting and he calls it leveling up. So we will be talking to Steve Cam uh, and uh, playing an interview. We just, uh, we, we did a few days ago with Steve about how to do this. And he's going to teach you, take your favorite movie and he'll teach us how to level up and become like that action hero. Uh, interesting stuff with him in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, 
Let's get to the headlines with Katie Jarvis and find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Katie, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Harriet Tubman is replacing Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. The U.S. Treasury Department announced yesterday that the female abolitionist will officially replace President Andrew Jackson's picture. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew indicated that the founding father, Alexander Hamilton, will remain on the $10 bill. But on the back of the bill, it will feature a group of female American suffrage icons. The Treasury also announced that the $5 bill will feature Martin Luther King Jr. on the back. Donald Trump said that the decision to put Tubman on the $20 bill is pure political correctness. Trump praised Andrew Jackson's legacy on the Today Show and decried the decision by U.S. Secretary to replace the seventh president's portrait with Harriet Tubman. He said that Tubman is fantastic and would love to see her on another bill. He just doesn't want to replace Andrew Jackson. Drugs are constantly being smuggled across the border between Mexico and the United States, and now they're doing it even more underground. A tunnel nearly a half mile long leading from Mexico to San Diego was discovered, and more than a ton of cocaine and seven tons of marijuana were seized. The tunnel extends 300 yards from a house in Tijuana to the border and then 500 yards on the U.S. side to a fenced lot in an industrial area. The tunnel was equipped with a rail system, ventilation, lights, and a large elevator. Officials said that the exit on the U.S. side is about three feet wide and has been covered by a trash bin. Six people were arrested in the operation. Bernie Sanders' campaign manager said that the senator will remain a Democrat even if he's not the nominee in November. Sanders' Senate website says that he is the longest-serving independent member of Congress in American history, but he caucuses with the Democrats. A new report looking at the causes of stomach cancer found that three new links have been found. Alcohol, processed meat, and obesity. All three of these are linked with several other cancers, including colon cancer and breast cancer. But this is the first time they've been associated with stomach cancer. Obesity is now linked to 11 different types of cancer. And that's an update for today. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate uh, the insight and Holy cow, we got uh, a great guest coming up. Steve Cam will be joining us in just a few moments um, to talk to us about leveling up your life. If you feel like your life is a a bit flat and you kind of wish you could just reboot or reset your video game life and do it all over again or, you know, go to the next level, listen up because this guy's he's the real deal. He's got some great insight for us. And in a weird way, it's a crazy way because he uses media to kind of figure out what he wants to be when he grows up. And nobody loves media more than you, Terry. Certain kinds of weird media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And There's fun stuff to watch. So could you ever imagine being uh, a Marvel hero and using a Marvel comic hero persona to reignite your life? Absolutely. Okay, which, which person would you be? Captain America. Really? Yeah. He doesn't like bullies. No. He doesn't – I mean he has enhanced – Abilities, but not necessarily superpowers. He's ripped. Yeah. He doesn't fly. No. He's got a shield. Yeah. He throws it like a boomerang, which doesn't make sense, but yeah. it's fine. It's it a seems like book. it would just go straight. It wouldn't come yeah. back. But he, he uses angles and geometry and bounces it off buildings. So he's smart. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a good example. And he's an all-American boy. Like you. Well, for the most part, yeah. And he loves Brussels sprouts. He probably well, I don't know. He didn't he didn't take well in the uh, 
the Germans in World War II, and so maybe he still has his little protest. <laughs> maybe he calls them freedom sprouts. Look at you. You you know too much about his life. I don't know. You just went geeky right there for a minute. Not yet. The movie, the movie comes out in two weeks. We'll see what happens. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> if you're a Democrat, you have different media taste than if you're a Republican. That's what we found out. It says, uh, do you, this says, do you read Politico, Gawker, and Jezebel? Gawker and Jezebel are kind of gossip websites, yeah. Politico being politics. Some say that has a, uh, a bias of their own. Uh, if yes, then there's a good chance you support Hillary Clinton in 2016. If you uh, go to the website 538, which is a statistics political polling type website, Nerdist, <laughs> which is a uh, entertainment comic book sort of website, and The Oatmeal, you are more are more your speed than you probably are feeling the burn. So finds a new anal- uh, uh, the analyst from or analysis from media preferences from uh, Demographics Pro, which compared the consumption habits of supporters of the five remaining candidates to average Twitter users. Perhaps even more striking than Democrats' habit, however, is the contrast on the Republican side. While fans of Ted Cruz and John Kasich each overwhelmingly prefer traditional conservative outlets like National Review suggesting the two candidates are competing for much of the same audience. Mm. Donald Trump supporters like Fortune, CNBC, and Men's Humor. Really? The latter selection makes sense in light of Trump's significant gender gap. More women say they cannot imagine voting for him than say the same about any other candidate. So Men's Humor would mean that there's a a large male contingent following Trump. But people that follow Hillary Clinton, what do they like? Politico, Gawker, well, well, Jezebel, which means... But I don't believe that. So politics and then gossip is what they're saying. That's interesting. Well, where the women then, maybe... Because those don't seem like magazines that a bunch of women would love. Their websites, though. Politico, I guess. Yeah. If you're looking for, say, lifestyle celebrity there gossip go. type yeah. stuff, that's what Gawker and Gawker Jezebel is, yeah. tend to... Not, not completely, but they right. do have quite a bit of that kind of hmm. content on there. Interesting. So, so who knows? So you got to know that there's there. It would be interesting to know, like on Netflix, people that follow Hillary Clinton watch this. Watch this. But how, I don't know how you would tie your Netflix selection to your political leanings. Oh, sure. You, there's ways. If you watch, um, see Twitter. It's easy because if you click follow Hillary Clinton, they can kind of track you that yeah. way. Whereas on Netflix, there's no public facing demonstration of your political leaning that ties into your right. Netflix, you know, viewing habits. Me, it would be like the the new King Kong cartoon, <laughs> uh, probably all the Justice League cartoons. But these are for your, these uh, are for your son. Inspector Gadget, the Octonauts, you know, that kind of stuff. That yeah, kind because of fun stuff. I just realized that I could set up a separate profile for the kid, and I went, wow, once he got off my Netflix account, all of a sudden everything's more adult. Yeah, and everything's <laughs> advertised to you differently. Yes, it is. That's a, that's a weird moment when you were looking for a watch band, and the next thing you know, you're reading an article from New York Times, and watch band ads come up. Yeah, and you start thinking, like, wow, you know, I was I was thinking about buying a watch band. <laughs> that is so strange. It's crazy. How did they know that? Um, apparently, uh, Kurt Schilling fired from ESPN. Yes, and honestly, it's about time. He's made a lot of comments over the years that have uh, blown up in his face, and this time he made a comment uh, about an LGBT transgender issue, and 
boom, gone. He made one recent, or uh, in the last year, he made one about Nazis and Muslims, trying to kind of equate the two. And oh boy, you're like, oh come on, man, just just talk about baseball, you know? <laughs> it's his whole job. Go in just, and talk about baseball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's you know what? I, so you think about it is, but he's. He's been controversial for years. Yes. But is he that great of an analyst that they keep him on? Is that why he was on? I think it's more of a name recognition so, yeah, combined with what he says. But at this point, it's just it's one one strike too many, if mm-hmm. you want, in the baseball. It, while we're on the media topics, Michael Strahan's leaving with the show with Kelly Ripa to go hang out on Good Morning America. Well, not hang out. Like host. Keep them from slipping behind the Today Show from NBC. They're in a huge ratings fight. Yeah. And they think uh, ABC believes that Strahan is going to save Good Morning America, or at least keep their ratings high yeah. and in front of the But Today isn't Show. that a different game than Kelly Ripa, right? I mean, because yeah. he's... In- well, he's been doing three days a week partial on Good Morning America, then he runs down the street to the other show. To do the other show. And they, they just want to keep him full time over at ABC. Now, both shows are owned by ABC, so the executives just made a decision that he's going to go over there. We're going to double his salary yeah. and all this stuff. Just no one told Kelly Ripa, yeah. and now she's just she's apparently ripped. ticked off. She's ticked. So she didn't show up to work yesterday. I wouldn't. And everybody went, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, and I just took an extra The problem is day. she had uh, – apparently I read something that said that she had vacation day set for Friday and right. Monday. Right. So is she really mad? Did she just extend her vacation because there's going to be a transfer of people? So let's kind of make yeah. it clean, and I'll come in on my, on Tuesday or whatever it is. So, but Strahan's we'll awesome, man. He's great. But does he? How do you handle an interview? He's a football player, entertainment interviewer, but is he pretty good? He's interviewing. The, as I read yesterday, he's every man. Yeah. I'm like, really, Michael Strahan? <laughs> I don't know. He could strain spaghetti with the teeth, but. He's great. That's, that's his calling card. I've he's, got that gap. He's, uh, but then all of a sudden you're going to have to interview the president of the United States. So yeah. maybe they don't let him do that one. I don't Probably know. not. I, I mean, he's going to, you know, he has his wheelhouse and that George Stephanopoulos. Oh, yeah. He's, he's on the morning show, so he'd probably yeah. interview the president. But. Oh, that'll be fun. Having George sitting next to Strahan. Yeah. George is like <laughs> he's little. He's really big. Shorter than Strahan. But he comes in. I think he probably adds uh, a livelier element to their yeah. show there's like 90 people on that show it seems like and he's a great he's not a, that he i just ever see seems it. like a great guy just to the core i like him on tv yeah he's great uh yeah on the football field they'll kill you well there's other things oh boy <laughs> you read too much just let him be just a nice guy can't he be a nice guy okay let's uh take a break folks when we come back we're going to be playing this interview that we had with steve cam great um interview and if you feel like you need to pick up your game and level up so to speak if you like media and you wish you could man be like your superhero your favorite uh your favorite movie star hero then this guy's going to teach you how to take those those kind of media lives and bring them into your real life. Stick with us. Interesting, interesting guests. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, do you ever wish you had the nerves of steel of Jack Bauer or the observation skills of Sherlock Holmes. 
or perhaps the adventurous spirit of Frodo Baggins. You know, we all have heroes in literature, movies, and video games. There are characters who have attributes and skills that we all wish we had. And our guest today, Steve Cam, is the author of Level Up Your Life, a book that talks about how to become your own superhero. He joins us now. Uh, Mr. Cam, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. Now, first of all, uh, talk to us a little bit about your love of these video games, the love of the movies, and your concept of leveling up. Sure. Well, I think I like to say as, as, a, as a kid, I was raised by two loving parents and uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I was born right around that time when the original Nintendo came out, and ever since then I've just been captivated by this idea of watching a character from a far-off land uh, kind of grow up and, and go through uh, this kind of transformative journey and become this amazing, amazing character that, that does uh, life-changing things, saves the world, saves the princess, Save the prince, save themselves, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's been something that I've just I've I've truly fallen in love with. And in addition to that, uh, you know, I found myself more and more often escaping into games and books and movies. You know, like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, Hunger Games, and imagining myself as that character. And a, a few years ago, I realized I was spending more and more time kind of drifting through life and and. And spending more more of my free time waiting to just get back into those imaginary worlds, and eventually came to the realization that life is happening outside of a screen and outside of a book. Mm. And in order for me to to do the things that I've always said I wanted to do but hadn't accomplished, I had to start thinking like those characters. And I, I kind of transformed my life into a video game and drew inspiration and, and education, really, from those same characters and have since gone on to travel the world, learn to play musical instruments, uh, get stronger and healthier than I've ever been. And it's been a really fun journey along the way. And you did it. I mean, this is, I think, awesome because how many kids do I know that love video games and, you know, they they have to kind of level up. Like in your article, you talk about the fact that you might start out with a cloth tunic and a rusted dagger, and eventually <laughs> you're going to make your way to, you know, having some other powerful source or forces and other skills and tools and be more advanced. Most of the kids I know would love to just start at level 50, and that's kind of what they all want to be. But in reality, like you're saying, you just got to start at level one and just keep leveling up. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting actually. There's this great concept out there from uh, in behavioral psychology called the progress principle, and it's the idea that we as humans love to make progress. If you've ever played a game like Candy Crush or yeah. Mario or World of Warcraft, and you just say, "Oh, one more level. Oh, I'll kill one more bad guy. Oh, I'll solve one more puzzle," it's because our brains are wired to love this idea of showing ourselves incremental progress. Uh, same thing like if you've ever put together a, you know, a tabletop puzzle. Anytime you get those puzzle pieces connected, like your brain releases this chemical called dopamine that makes you feel happy, and you chase it, which is why video games have become so addicting for so many. So I thought, why don't we, why don't we turn our life into the game and create a, level, a system of levels and missions and quests for us to complete? And as we complete those things, we can actually cross those goals off, earn experience points, and level up and get that same addictive hmm. kind of happiness release in our brain, but have it be as a result of 
not us sitting on a couch, but rather us out in the world exploring or us trying something new, uh, doing something that scares us, uh, getting healthier, visiting a new location, trying to cook a new meal or something along those lines. That's great. And really, it, it, it then it becomes the game of life, right? The game of your life. <laughs> exactly. How yes, great. Exactly. I've, I've, I've been living this game for uh, a few years now, and I can tell you it's a lot more exciting than any video game I've ever played. Yeah. And, yeah, and in the end, you know, if you do it right, you might have some money to go buy more games. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I, I had to swear off video games for a few years to get you? things organized, and now I have a good balance of I play games occasionally, but I, I'm still, you know, I'm learning to play the violin at the moment. I'm trying to figure out where to travel to next, and setting some great goals in the gym and, and things along those lines. But it, it really required me to take an active approach of how am I living my life, and how can I take those same things I used to love on a screen and kind of like retroactively build my life around them and mm. uh, make them things that I can do day to day. Well, so talk to the parents out there. I mean, I imagine a parent that's whose their kids love video games and to try to convince the kid that the real world life could be just as exciting as the on-screen life. What would you say to that parent to teach their kids that principle? Sure. Well, that's, I think first and foremost is understanding that video games inherently are not are not bad. No. I, I personally, I love them. I think they're, I've, I've learned a lot about grit and determination and, and perseverance and, and teamwork and things like that. So I think there's plenty of aspects of video games that are phenomenal. And if, if your child loves to play them, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily, you know, remove them from the house or say, you know, you're not allowed to play them. However, I think it's important to talk to your kid and say, what is it about this game that you love? And, and sit down and say, like, hey, is there any way we can, uh, we can try to do this in real life? Uh, just to share an example, you know, in this book, Level Up Your Life, I wanted to prove to other people that it's not just something for a guy like me, but for anybody. You know, I share stories of single parents and, and uh, retired couples and things like that who have gamified their lives. There's one gentleman I share. His name is Thomas. He is a construction foreman, but he fell in love with this uh, Japanese comic about a, a single dad and his son. And Thomas is a single dad, and he ended up creating a series of quests and missions for him and his son to complete uh, in martial arts. So when they get together on weekends to spend their quality time together, they've gamified that in a fun way. So they're not only spending time together, but they're taking concept from a game or a comic that they've loved and also getting physical activity Mm. and proving to themselves the progress principle that they they can make progress in martial arts and have a lot of fun together doing it too. That's great. And I mean, I've seen just with raising my own kids that turning it into a game makes it so it doesn't seem so formal. Right. It's like it's not this <laughs> right, sure. it's not as real. And it's it's almost like they, like my kids don't even know we're talking if we're playing a game while we're doing it. But I could, I could get a lot of information out of them. Oh, I love it. And I think I think when you can disguise I, I not, not not I mean disguise, but rather, you know, when exercise becomes something that's enjoyable purely for the fun of it, mm. you know, be it uh, a martial art or, or learning to dance, gymnastics, um, uh, whatever it parkour, whatever it may be, something fun that, that gets the kid excited and engaged and it doesn't feel like exercise to them, I think they can get hooked on that. And if you can then combine that with some sort of fun leveling system, and it can be very basic. You know, I, I, What I said was every time I completed five quests, that was enough for me to level up and move on to my next uh, my next challenge or level my character up, me being the character in this game. Yeah. And then we're, I guess, talk, talk about how you made your own transition. So you were sitting there thinking, I get, I'm, I'm doing, I'm spending too much time on video games 
And is that how is that how it started? Is you just became aware that you're you're not going <laughs> yeah, anywhere? Believe it or believe it or not. So there's this great concept in in uh, called the hero's journey. It's the idea that every great story in history follows a very similar story arc. There's a character that you know, they receive some sort of call to action and it's either thrust upon them or they make a decision and then they go on this extraordinary journey where they encounter challenges and uh, recruit allies, defeat bad guys and return home a changed person. For me, my call to action was, was actually that my homemade computer, you know, that I had built uh, blew up on me oh, boy. and I couldn't afford to fix it and I didn't have enough money to, to fix it to get back to playing more video games and that was kind of like my call to action on my journey hmm. to say like alright man this is that moment for you you can't play these games anymore you have to let's let's figure out what's going on here and kind of like analyze my life so I thought to all those games and all those movies and you know just uh, for an example I grew up loving James Bond so I was like, what would it be like to live a weekend like James Bond? And I was like, well, I'm clearly not going to become an international spy, but I bet there's a fun way that I could live like James Bond for a weekend. So I got very specific with it, and it, it ended up with me in a tuxedo in the Monte Carlo Casino mm. in the Principality of Monaco for a weekend. And I did it all very cheap, very bare bones, but on the outside it looked like I was uh, – actually looked and I felt like I was James Bond. So you know, I had a lot of fun kind of reverse engineering – my characters and movies and heroes and seeing if I could come up with a real world equivalent of those things and then just put systems in place uh, in place that I talk about throughout the book, hmm. uh, put systems in place to actually get me to start crossing those things off. That's great. Is that, and that's what you call gamifying. <laughs> you you yeah, turned exactly. your life into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the, the issue many people have is that everybody says, Oh, I wish I could travel more or, Oh, I'd love to mm -hmm. learn how to do so-and-so but they never get specific with it, and they don't have the right systems or support, you know, support group in place to make those things happen. So I got very specific with my goals. I kind of manufactured my, my life around those things so that every day I was working towards, uh, whether it was saving money for my next trip or spending just five minutes working on a language or learning an instrument. But I got very specific and put a system in place so that those things became a daily habit for me to improve, and I got addicted to improving myself. And, uh, you know, it went from this vague, nebulous idea of like, oh, I want to travel to, no, I'm going to live like James Bond uh, in Monaco. I'm going to find Nemo on the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> I'm going to learn to play the violin and travel to Ireland. I'm going to uh, volunteer once a week for a year to, you know, to, to give back, whatever it may be. You know, I think everybody lives life differently. And there's no reason why you can't create a game that lines up with what you're interested in, be it fitness or you know, dance, cooking, volunteering, travel, whatever it may be, uh, it, it just comes down to getting specific with it and putting the right pieces in the, in the right place. Oh, that's amazing. And, and then I guess then you eventually then put it into the book um, that we're talking about, which is basically, uh, it's called Le Level Up Your Life, How to Unlock Adventure and Happiness by Becoming the Hero of Your Own Story. Yes. Yeah. So I, throughout the book, it's, it's, I share my story. I share some examples and very specific instructions on how to start kind of converting your life into a game or a movie. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, I, I share a ton of stories throughout the book from people of all walks of life and all economic backgrounds, uh, you know, whether it's college kids or uh, recently unemployed, recently divorced. Uh, older people with children, whatever it may be, I share stories from each of those different examples to show you like, hey, I don't care how old you are or where you come from. 
I'm just more interested in helping you get to where you want to go and helping you get there and in the most fun, enjoyable, uh, challenging, you know, exciting way as possible. That's great. Steve, let's take a break and come back, continue this journey. I'd love to find out when we come back uh, what are some other steps that we can take um, to to kind of level up our, our lives. Uh, one of the things I love is how you set up our characters and how we can kind of design the character we want to be in life. Uh, Steve Cam is his name. The, the name of his book is Level Up Your Life. And uh, it's a book that talks about how to become our own superhero, also to kind of go live out our, our dreams and make our wildest dreams, I guess, come true. Also, he um, runs a website called nerdfitness.com. Nerdfitness.com is a great resource to go get all of the information as well about what Steve is doing. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion. Stick with us, folks, helping you uh, really, truly reignite that superhero inside of you and take your life back. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about how you can use your favorite video games and movies to level up your life and really go out there and, and find this 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 inner you, this, this uh, inner superhero, this inner video game character, and, and really bring it to life in your own life. Joining us is Steve Cam. He is the author of the book Level Up Your Life, How to Unlock Your Adventure and Happiness, by becoming the hero of your own story. And uh, Steve also has a great website you might want to go check out called nerdfitness.com, um, where you can also get a lot of information about what what he does and, and see some of his great uh, work with his book and his blogs. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me stick around. This is, it's a, I think it's a really empowering idea. I mean, a, a lot of people are moved by media right by their video games or by their um by by the movies they see and you made a great point where we sometimes disconnect from kind of that world and our real world we don't see how we could ever go create a life like that and yet you're saying you can you just need to become intentional about it i think intention is is one of the most important things so you know recently it's been kind of Superhero movies are, are in. You know, thanks to Marvel and, and this upcoming weekend with Batman and or Superman coming out, you know, I think so many people are probably going to wander out of a theater and say, man, wouldn't it be cool to be Batman? Or, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to be Superman? And, and more often than not, people have that, that conversation with their friends, like, oh, I'd love to fly, or I'd love to do this or that, or they watch James Bond, or they play a game. And I, I was that guy. I was, I was a daydreamer. You know, I, I went to work at a job I didn't love and, and came home and sat on my couch and and escaped more often than not into another game, another movie, and, and daydreamed about what those things were like. And eventually I got to the point where I realized that life had to be lived and I had to do it with intention. And the only intention or like the only path that I knew were the things that, that helped raise me. Those heroes, Super Mario, Leg- uh, Link from the Legend of Zelda, Captain America, Superman, those are the characters that, that taught me the lessons I needed to learn about growing up. So I, I, I not knowing any better, I was like, let's just let's let's try to take those things and, and turn them into turn myself into a character like those guys and, and see what happened. And it's turned into this kind of whirlwind, crazy journey of uh, globe trotting adventures and, and 
challenging myself with things that 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 scare the heck out of me and uh it i've met a lot of really great people along the way as well it's been so much fun and and you i guess one of the things that you talk about in the article on lifehacker.com is the idea that you know just like in the movies or just like on the video game we have a character that we play and you're you're saying that we we need to decide what our character is going to be yeah so i I think you know it's funny I, i wrote this book from like the perspective of a skeptical nerd, because that's who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand there are certain books out there where it's like, oh, just believe it and it will happen. And I looked at it from the perspective of, okay, like let's get very scientific and dig into the nitty gritty on this stuff. And, and can you actually do this realistically? Can you turn yourself into a character? And uh, you know, I, I thought about the, my favorite characters from those from those uh, stories that I loved growing up, and I realized that they all had dual existences. Uh, for example, you know, Superman is by day, he's a mild mannered reporter mm. and uh, Indiana Jones is a archaeology professor during the day. And I thought it was kind of neat. Like here we have these world, you know, world traveling, all powerful superheroes that also have day to day responsibilities and bills to pay and things to take care of in the real world. And then they have this alter ego version of themselves that that do amazing things. And I was like, that, that lines up perfectly with how I want to live my life. You know, I have bills to pay. I have a, a, an apartment to keep clean. I have friends to hang out with, ob- obligations to take care of. But there's also this other part of me that wants to travel and learn and grow and, and do things that maybe the regular version of me is afraid to try. So why don't I create a superhero version of myself? And I encourage people through, uh, actually, if you go to levelupyourlife.com, you can create your own character. Uh, it's completely free. And you can decide, write your origin, like your backstory. Everybody loves the, the you know, the, the backstory of why, how a superhero came to be. Right. So it's, I think it's really fun for people to kind of get very creative and, and have some fun with creating the backstory of what their alter ego is and then deciding what that alter ego wants to become, like what kind of character they want to be, what kind of story do they want to play out. And, and once you make those decisions, then it's, it, then it's simply putting one foot in front of the other or identifying that, that first quest or mission that this alter ego version of you, you know, that might have to work after school or after work or before your kids wake up in the morning. What is it, what's the quest or mission that you're working on for that particular day? Hmm. I mean, I, so I taught forever leadership and time management and the importance of making a mission statement. And it's the exact same thing that you're talking about and understanding your roles and your goals. And you're doing the exact same thing. You're just actually making it relate to where these people already have been, where they've already been <laughs> fantasizing, Absolutely. where their mission has already, you know, been fulfilled in a way. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, some people are like, well, you started this website called Nerd Fitness, do you realize that, you know, down the road when Marvel got big and superheroes got in great shape, like this whole idea (laughs) of being nerdy and fit is now in. I was like, I, you know, I started this eight years ago or I bought the domain, I think nine years ago because that's, that's my, that's my world. Those are my people. Like I play video games and I want to help people get healthy. So, you know, these, these, I didn't, I didn't like, oh, this is a a clever way to do this. This is the only way I knew how to do it because these are the guys that raised me. These are the characters that, that helped shape who I am as a person. And it made sense to give them an opportunity to help shape the, kind of the next version of me too, uh, which is this, you know, superhero alter ego version that, that does amazing things that the regular me would be scared to try. Right. Well, and like you're saying, you don't need to maybe, you don't need to go try to 
like Superman reverse the spin of the earth, <laughs> uh, that might be harder to accomplish, but, but like, you, difficult, yeah. yeah, but you went and you did go to Monaco and you became bond and you wore a tux and you saw Monaco and you hanged out, the, you were hanging out there for a week being the man. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, when I, when I say find adventure and I think adventure is something that's like inherent or like in our DNA mm-hmm. as a, as a human species, like we just always want to know like, Hey, what's over that hill or what's, uh, what's, you know, what's under that lake or what's behind that cave, which is what I loved about uh, video games. I, I just found it was so, I think for everybody, it, adventure means something different. For me, it meant going to Monaco and living like James Bond or going to Machu Picchu in Peru. For somebody else, if they've never traveled before, it might be as simple as camping in their backyard with their kid or visiting the next state over to attend a swing dance competition that they're terrified to, to be a part of. Mm. It's, it's those things that make you feel alive, that remind you, like, hey, today is a great day to be on this planet, and uh, you know, something that re- kind of reminds you why, why you're lucky to be here. Uh, whatever that means for you, I think that's, that's adventure. And that's which is why we all get that. So that's the great part about this game called life. We can all play it in a different way. Adventure means something different to each of us. Uh, what is important is it's, it's something that challenges us, that uh, helps us, you know, kind of lose track of time because we're having so much fun with it. And uh, it's something that will, you know, we're not collecting more possessions, which I think far too many people do in an effort to be happier. We're collecting experiences and stories. And those are the things we'll be telling our grandkids you know, 60 years from now, or the things we'll be telling our friends sitting in rocking chairs 70 years from now saying, remember that time we went to Machu Picchu, or do you remember that time we camped in the backyard and, and then there was a torrential downpour? Those are the things I think we're, we should be collecting and banking, and uh, just because they're, they're, the value for them is uh, invaluable, really. Well, you also are big in the idea of the rewrite, and um, and so maybe explain that to us, because it seems like everybody at some point in their life is going to need a new, uh, going to need a rewrite. Like this isn't where I wanted to be, but you can turn it in apparently to something else. Sure, I, I, I worry that too many people end up too far down a path that they think they can't get out of, and they just like, well, it's you know, I'm, I'm in this career and I've been here for 20 years, and or you know, my dad died young of a heart attack and I'm overweight, so I'm just going to continue this cycle. Uh, I've I run a community of people that have bucked the trend, that have, uh, you know, chosen to change their fate, so to speak, and decided that the path that they're on doesn't mean it needs to be the path that they stay on. And if they decide at some age, regardless of how old they are, a relationship falls apart, they lose their job, uh, these things are not, you know, it's not game over. It's just an opportunity to, uh, it's a plot twist, really. You know, and every think about any great story. Some some guy or woman is out there trying to find a treasure, and then they meet somebody, and that person gets captured, and all of a sudden the story changes. Now it's about re, you know capturing or rescuing uh, rescuing this person. Life can take plot twists as well. I, I think you just have to be open to them. So uh, I think it's important for people to realize that no matter how old you are or how far down a path you might be, you always have a choice. And there's always an opportunity to change. It might mean you taking late night coding classes to learn a uh, learn how to code a language so you can change careers, or it might mean you might need to downsize your house so that you can uh, take a job in a path that you're absolutely that you're actually enjoying instead of one that you're merely existing in. So I, I think people need to realize no matter how far down a certain path they are, you can always you can always divert, you can always throw a plot twist in there, 
and, and try other things. So it's, it's never too late. And you're the author of your fate, right? You're the, you're the captain. Yes. You're the, you're the one that's yeah, you're, uh, master of your fate. Yeah. Captain of my soul. Correct. I mean, it's, to me, that's, boy, that's empowering to know that whatever's thrown your way, you, you'll, you'll rewrite it. I guess, is that what you mean by the rebellion and the rebels? <laughs> yeah, Talk so, about that. Cause that's a big sure, part so, of uh, almost any really good story is a rebellion or a rebel. Yeah. So when I started nerd fitness years ago, I, I was curious, or I, I wasn't sure what to call our community. You know, I was like, I run a website called Nerd Fitness, and I can't just call ourselves, we're not a community. That doesn't sound nerdy enough to me. So as a, as a big fan of Star Wars, I asked the community, I asked my, the members in there, and I said, hey, do you guys want to be part of starting an empire? Or, I'm sorry, uh, building an empire? Or starting a rebellion? And overwhelmingly, the response came in that people wanted to start a rebellion. And I just thought that was so neat and so... so uh, appropriate. I don't know. I think whether it's nerdy stereotypes or a life that we're not excited about or things that people tell us we should do, uh, there's always an opportunity, I think, to kind of go against the trend. And more often than not, it's those that that swim against the current, those that zig when others zag. Uh, Those are the people that, that end up finding happiness, growth, and and change and uh but it requires it requires a decision Hmm. so for nerd fitness it's it's us rebelling against uh kind of a life of mediocrity a life of following in the footsteps of or following a path that we're not thrilled with or a path that we think is inevitable and it's rebelling against that fate that and and rewriting it ourselves and uh it's it's kind of cool though the rebellion really started as me just writing a some blog posts a few times a week and it's since evolved into this worldwide community of, of people from all walks of life that are helping and supporting each other get healthier, live happier, and uh, do more exciting things. That's great. So people can then go to your website and join the rebellion? Yeah, you can join the rebellion. It's at nerdfitness.com. There's some free ebooks you can download. I send out two free articles per week. Uh, if you go to levelupyourlife.com, you can read the first chapter of the book, which tells my entire James Bond story. You can create a character there completely free. And uh, if you so choose, uh, check the book out. It's available in bookstores and on uh, Amazon and, you know, Barnes and & Noble and websites. Man, great stuff. Uh, Steve, appreciate uh, your time with us today and also just your creativity in, in taking something that might bore some people to death, uh, like life change, and turning it into a seriously powerful adventure. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Steve Cam's his name. Again, go to levelupyourlife.com or nerdfitness.com. Uh, great stuff. Great tools to help all of us uh, create a, and live a healthier, happier life. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back and uh, wrap up uh, this hour of the show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Again, doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier, happier life. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, now we know how to level up. Uh, we were working with Ben in the uh, last few minutes about him leveling up, and I asked him what superhero he wanted to be, and don't even name the name. But it's just not appropriate. Ben? You asked me an honest question, and I gave you... That would level you down. We need to get you higher. If you want... You can you can level up to me. Really? Let me be your superhero. Please, no. <laughs> Let me be the wind beneath your wings. 
This is getting kind of weird. Yeah, it is. Hey, um, okay, so here's the deal. Let's say you are a little girl from, you know, wherever, Texas or somewhere, and um, you release a balloon. I mean, how many times have you released a balloon up into the sky, and you don't know how far that balloon's going to travel? Well, an Eaton, Ohio woman found a deflated balloon with a message on it stating that it had floated all the way from Cisco, Texas. April Pope of Eaton, Ohio, shared a photo of the balloon, which bore the message, hello, all the way from Cisco, Texas, to the Cisco Chamber of Commerce Facebook. Now, check this out. You're, you, you leave them. That's 948 miles. You just let go of a balloon and you're polluting a whole other state, by the way. But how interesting is it that you – we've all wondered how far that your balloon went. You know, I always thought it was 30 miles. You know, maybe it made it – Maybe it may be 50 miles, but 948 miles. So you never know, do you? You never know that uh, one little kid's balloon at the zoo floating away into space may eventually make it uh, almost 1,000 miles away. Who'd have thunk it? Again, another data point that you don't get – Everywhere, for heaven's sakes. How about uh, this crazy story? Because, you know, life is about, you know, trying to give you what you can. You've heard us bring up um, Bodie McBoatface as the name of that new research vessel. Well, you know, that's being, I guess, blown up in the UK. They don't like that idea. So the people of uh, in Australia are, have decided again to name their council a silly name like Beachy McBeachface. Excellent. And when you think about it, why on earth do they keep asking people to send in their suggestions? But uh, in uh, the people of Australia have spoken. They want a council in the eastern suburbs of Sydney to be named Beachy McBeachface. It's where they're now actually combining three councils into one. And as they join these together, they need a name. So they decided to... uh, Put that out, you know, to the media and say, hey, public, give us some ideas for what we should name our new council. Well, again, it's flying in, Beachy McBeachface. A spokesperson told the publication that out of the 200 actual entries so far, the most popular has been Beachy McBeachface. So can I just give some advice? Anybody that's seeking public involvement to name something, don't. Just stop it. Don't ask for the public's involvement unless you're going to use their name. You're going to get silly names. I think that's great analysis. Thank you. Beachy McBeachface. Can you imagine having going to like your city council meeting and it's called the Beachy McBeachface City Council Meeting? Here are the Beachy McBeachface minutes from the meeting. Don't ask, folks, if you don't really want to use it. Come on. You're going to just set yourself up. See, Ben, that's why at times we ask for your feedback and at other times we don't. So do you really want my feedback when you ask for it? It depends. Oh, yeah. It depends on what we're talking about. I always thought you were just hitting a quota. Like a quota for asking you? Yeah, from what the producers wanted. No. Okay. That makes me feel better. Yeah. It's like a ghost town around here. Have you noticed? It's a ghost town. Everybody's gone because finals are over, school's out, so it's just Ben and I. 
I'm the most loyal employee you've got. Yeah. And the most financially needy. Yep. Which is why you're here, huh? Mm-hmm. Not because you love the show. Just because you need the dough. Folks, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got a whole new show. We're going to be getting into the princess. Uh, do you have a child that just loves having everything her way? Just as a little princess? We're going to talk about that. How do you manage the kid that wants everything? The diva. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. The final hour of the three-hour love fest that we call the Matt Townsend Show. (laughs) It's so good to be with you. Have you on board. And uh, today we are going to be um, talking about your families. We will have Heather Ann Johnson joining us in just a few moments to teach us about uh, managing the princess effect. We've been managing it with um, cute little Ben for years. Yeah. I think the princess effect is just the the love of, I guess, your daughter loving and being the diva princess. And in your case, not our daughter, but our adopted son being a diva prince. Yes. Yeah. In what ways? In what ways? I, it's been so long since I've been a diva. Uh, let's just start with the tiara. That you're sporting. Okay, well, that's okay, a bad example. That. That, that's one thing. Well, and the um, the throne that you make us set up for you every time you come in. Okay, that's justified. Okay, the throne and the tiara are two signs that you've got a princess issue. Okay, it there's no like it's not valid unless you have at least three. Okay, the what we call the queen's jewels <laughs> that you bring in a box. Those were gifts. Okay, not jewels. <laughs> Okay, not jewels. Ring pop. Just a ring pop. Just bring in a snack to work. Okay, three things. There's the three things that show that you are playing the princess, and we are going to fix it today. I think those are weak examples, but... <laughs> you asked me for... Ex- I could keep going. Uh, the weekly waxing. Okay, like I have a hairy back. Right. Sorry. The fact that you make us curtsy to you. Respect. That is getting old. It's getting really old, especially because men bow, I think, Yeah, not curtsy. This whole grab the imaginary dress and curtsy, it's just right. kind of annoying. I don't want to do that anymore. And then you bring your friend around, Kaylee, the court jester. It gets annoying. Fitting. Yeah. It is fitting. <laughs> so that's why we need Heather here. Heather's going to walk us through how to take the princess out of you, which is a complaint his parents have had. For years. Probably not focused on Ben. Oh. Probably more focused on if that element exists in your home. Oh, but what if it with exists at work with our son? Well, we could use Ben as an example. Okay. But it's not specifically meant for a 23-year-old male. 21. Okay, 21-year-old. I'll take a guess. Uh, acting like a... Six-year-old girl? Uh-huh. As a princess? With a wand. Wow. A fairy. Well, we'll talk with her. Let's see if she has some tips for, for Ben. 
luckily, we care about him. We love Ben. We're here to help. We don't want to make him feel bad. We just we want to help him. We having grow an, out this of is an intervention. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. This comes from a place of love. It's a it's from a place, place of, of respect. Mm-hmm. We care. Mm. Not sure about that. Happy Kindergarten Day, by the way. We're celebrating Kindergarten Day and also Kickball Day, one of the great uh, playground games where you just could dominate. It's it's an equalizer. It's an equalizer. Because it, it's, it's an activity that all you have to do is be able to kick. Yeah. As an asthmatic, as a child, I had asthma. But then I found out it probably wasn't asthma, but we claimed it was. You're just out of shape. No, I was in oh. great shape. It's just I couldn't breathe. Gotcha. My lungs were shutting down. But it but was probably yeah. just more hay fever. But I, you know, that was the great equalizer because to go play soccer, which, by the way, I played like for six years, not to brag, but that's pretty dang good. Um, but you don't, you have to run the whole time. Yeah. Which is hard when your lungs are collapsing. So <laughs> this is true. kickball is just a nice leisurely thing that you could do at recess so you wouldn't sweat. Because I wouldn't sweat because I had a leg mm. and I could – I'd just say, hey, pitcher – I want it bouncy about this high. Slow, please. And then boink, 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 And then pop. just, then so just sort the, of walk around the, the bases. Yeah. Was the pitcher on your team? Yeah. Really? A lot of times the pitcher in our game was just, you know, the kid that didn't want to play. But you include him because you just have him sit on the mound and then he doesn't do anything. It's just how we involved everybody. And there's no real skill to it. You're just sort of rolling it slowly to your own team. Yeah. So well, you're I not mean, trying to get him out. If it's on, if he's on the other team, then he can like put a bounce to it, or mm-hmm. he can do it yeah. faster or, or no bounce. Yeah. But, but it's elementary, and they want everyone to be able to kick the ball. Yeah. So you put your own teammate out there, so it's easy. Yeah. yeah. Good days. Those Everyone's a winner. Days. It's also, no. by the way, high five day, which is what would happen after you kick it. Then you get high fived by everybody. See, so the day. Today's a very complete day. Kindergarten, kickball, high fives, and princesses. Which, again, if that doesn't explain Ben's average day, what does? This show, handmade for Benjamin Leroy Wasden. Booyah. Hey, anything? Uh, oh, we've got to get to the headlines. Let's get to Katie Jarvis. Katie and uh, Katie's going to walk us through what's going on in the headlines around the country. Katie, what's up? Thank you, Matt. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are battling for delegates at the Republican National Committee meeting. The RNC is holding its three-day spring meeting at a seaside resort in Hollywood, Florida. The Ted Cruz and Donald Trump campaigns are there trying to woo Republican officials, especially in states that have not voted yet. Trump was campaigning in Indiana yesterday, and he was speaking out against the RNC's rigged, crooked system. But his new political director was at the Florida resort holding private meetings with GOP officials. Harriet Tubman is replacing Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. The U.S. Treasury Department announced yesterday that the female abolitionist icon would officially be on the bill. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew has said that founding father Alexander Hamilton will remain on the $10 bill, but on the back of the bill will feature a group of female American suffrage icons. The Treasury also announced that the $5 bill will feature Martin Luther King Jr. on the back of it. Hillary Clinton is the closest of anyone in the 2016 race to having secured her party's nomination, and political observers are speculating about who she would pick as her running mate. 
Clinton's campaign chairman said that Clinton would look for the best person to make the case to the American people. But he dropped a clue when he said that there was no question that there would be multiple women on that list. The NBA has agreed to a TV deal in Africa. Eight months after holding its first exhibition game in South Africa, the National Basketball Association has agreed to a broadcast deal in sub-Saharan Africa. It will allow games to be aired in three different languages across the region. The contract comes as the NBA is trying to expand its international reach. Recently, it's opened offices in Johannesburg and Mumbai. As part of the TV deal, the network will offer more than 500 NBA events each year in English, French, and Portuguese. And that's an update for today. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate it. Hey, um, (laughs) interesting uh, headlines. Again, this is the place where we bring you the news, the information you need. And today, princesses. Terry, what else is going on around the world? What do we need to be paying attention to? Well, President Obama is in Saudi Arabia. I know. This is starting to create... There's a Middle East coalition yeah. meeting going but on. But apparently they gave him the cold shoulder a bit. Well, he landed. Usually there's a huge state celebration type thing when a, a state-level yeah. leader shows up. And it was very subdued. A uh, The Just, king of Saudi Arabia was not there. It was uh, one of the government. Some uh, luggage guy. No, it was probably a secretary of state or someone of that level that was there. But it wasn't the king. Yeah. And uh, kind of greet him. And they, they uh, apparently in their meetings they made it clear that uh, – the uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is not happy mm-hmm. with the current administration, and they will wait to make any more agreements. But with it's the not next a divorce. President. They're saying we're not divorcing. It's just the, we're the, having marriage troubles. The deals that uh, you know with Iran and those sort of things have really made them unhappy, and so they're they're also kind of on di- different sides of different conflicts in those areas and in the region. So it's kind of not an easy relationship. No. Well, in this situation. Um, This comes out of Politico today. It says, according to more than two dozen U.S. and foreign government officials, Donald Trump has become the starting point (laughs) for what feels like every government-to-government interaction. In meetings, (laughs) private dinners, and phone calls, world leaders are urgently seeking explanations from Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, Secretary of State John Kerry, Defense Secretary Ash Carter, and Trade Representative Michael Frommen on uh, on down. So all these people, they get on phone calls and they get asked the questions. American ambassadors are asking for guidance from Washington of what to say about Trump. <laughs> that is so, so sad. What are they supposed to do? Says they, they're scared and they're trying to understand how real this is, says one American official in touch with foreign leaders. They all ask. They follow our politics with excruciating detail. They ask, what is this Trump phenomenon? Can he really win? What would it mean for U.S. policy going forward or U.S. engagement in the world? They're all sort of incredulous. Obama hears the world leaders' fears about the Republican frontrunner so often that he has developed a speech meant to ease their nerves. First, he walks them through the Republican primary process. Trump has had success, but there are big states yet to vote, and the frontrunner could still stumble. Then he explains the complications of the GOP convention and how weak rules and convoluted balloting could leave Trump a loser. And finally, Obama assures Americans, America's allies that Hillary Clinton can defeat the Manhattan billionaire. Hmm. So this is his speech to these guys. <laughs> They're going to be very surprised when Donald, when Donald Trump beats everybody. And it says it's a familiar route, but not a particularly successful one. They respond sometimes directly to Obama and other top administration officials, sometimes stewing privately about being brushed off again that the Obama administration has been downplaying Trump's odds for six months. 
You know what? Exactly. It's the whole kind of JV concept they said about ISIS, yeah. and now they're down playing and, Trump. And, and we we have fun with Trump. He has his own theme song on our show. We like I him. Came in like a but I would never underestimate the man. And the mere fact that he is where he is, he's going to win. He's going to win the GOP. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, there's no way. That's what everyone was saying about the GOP. There's no way. He, if he can smell the White House. Yeah, he'll go for it. And a Trump state. He's already making changes now. He, he you know, moves out the guys that don't have the experience when you get this far in a campaign, and he moves in the guys that have experience to get him delegates so he can win. Yeah. Did you hear what uh, Selma Hayek said about uh, his 9-11 comment? She's a dyslexic Spanish speaker that has English as a second language, and she knows it's 9-11, not 7-11. Yeah, so you haven't Something heard like it? Something like that. Yeah. I haven't heard no, it at all. No, it. no, no, no. Yeah, she's, I'm a dyslexic Mexican, <laughs> and English is my second language. However, even I do not confuse 7-11 with 9-11. <laughs> Everybody's taking a shot at Donald. Come on. What did he ever do? Donald? Yeah. He's done a lot. Oh, I, don't I, start, I remember, don't that, start, don't start the, remember the running article of 30 things that Trump yeah. has said that would have gotten any other candidate kicked out? He's back in, you know. And, and again, and he's still leading. Yeah. That's why, you know what, don't, don't talk. And um, I can't believe President Obama has such a long answer. Well, he has to walk through the whole process. What he needs is a PowerPoint. Well, then it says here world leaders are uh, – cop to being afraid of they admit to being afraid of a trump presidency and they're making preparations scrambling to get deals done with the obama administration while they still have the chance yeah because they feel like that things are going to change and they're not going to be able to uh have someone to negotiate with right that trump's going to come in with well, it's yeah. these trade deals right he's saying we're going to shut this down make these people pay for things reverse the the trade deficit and people are scared because it's going to ruin their their business that they have going so well they should be terrified some of that's good. Some of that's bad. Some of the deals are bad. Yeah. I mean, we've had this trade deficit with China for pretty much my entire life. And it just seems interesting that we can't somehow even that out. It's, it's, it's... Well, no, we will now. I mean, Donald will. With a wall. You build a wall. Yeah. Build a wall to China. <laughs> oh, they have a wall. And then we just... There was a tunnel. They found a yeah. mile and a half tunnel. So you got a tunnel. Built underneath that they're just... Trucking all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but the through. tunnels will be gone because you have to lay the foundation for the wall. <laughs> we'll just dig under whenever just the wall's dig there. Dig it deep, big deep foundation. What do you do? What do you do? Well, what we do is we just move on to another topic, right? So Heather Ann Johnson's going to be joining us. She's uh, on faculty here at Brigham Young University and uh, is here to help us create healthier families. Heather is going to be talking about princesses today and how to blow up the, I guess, the princess problem. I don't know what we're going to call it. We'll ask Heather when she comes in in just a minute. No matter what it is, it's going to be good for Ben. We know that. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Heather Ann Johnson's in the house, a.k.a. Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. 
She's uh, she's here today to walk us through life and one of the big issues that uh, that we're getting from the media, this princess effect. You know, there's a million different types of, not types, but different princesses promoted by certain companies. Sure. And and apparently the research is showing that it's impacting the self-esteem of our young women. And um, we also wanted to address some of it with Ben because (laughs) Ben also (laughs) thinks he's a princess. Which which princess are you, Ben? Um, We talked about this earlier. I'm Matt's wrong. He's everything I do is justified. It's he thinks he's Mulan. Okay, but kind of with a royal queen mum. Attire. <laughs> kind of like with a Cinderella background. Yeah. Yeah, a little Cinderella <laughs> Mulan. Um, so talk to us, Heather. What is the what's really going on? So Disney has princesses. It's kind of it's the heroine of every story. We sure. need we need a female hero. We do. Well, and our little girls, they just idolize these princesses. They really do. And so recently, and maybe you've seen it, if Disney Channel is on ever in your home, even it's really all over the media, but Disney has just launched this huge new campaign called Dream Big Big Princess. And so there's Dream Big Princess. And so what's really cool is in in response to critics, really, they've taken their princesses and they've created these commercials where they then point out their abilities instead of just their beauty. So they're starting to promote that a princess is all about simply being yourself. It's about courage. It's about bravery. It's about trying new things. It's about being ambitious and determined. And so they're trying to make this correlation so that they can really kind of quiet critics who are saying, hey, when we watch princesses, when our girls do all the time, it hurts their self-esteem. It teaches them that beauty is the only way to a happily ever after, right? right? It's all about our looks. Another thing they argue is that it creates this really confusing place between fantasy and reality, right? They think that what they're watching is real and it's not. It's fantasy. And so they don't understand it. And so in an answer to that, they've launched this campaign in hopes that uh, they can kind of quiet those yeah. naysayers a lot. So, right? so they are, I guess, recognizing there's something to it. Right. But if it wasn't princesses, it would have been Barbies. Sure. It can. It, it's always something that we're going to kind of ascribe right, to, right. right? Look up to. Uh, we do know even even little girls, though, as young as two years old, can start to feel this effect that beauty really matters. Is, right. Is the end all be all to their happiness. Right. Right. And we don't want our girls to feel that. And so it, the funny thing is, every single semester, I have a student without fail ask me. You know, if I think it's okay that girls have princess dresses and if they dress up and, you know, as we talk about development and things in families, they wonder if that's going to be okay. And so the first thing really to throw out there is do I really think and I think research would support that if our girls dress up like princesses that it guarantees an eating disorder and low self-esteem? No. Heavens no. Absolutely not. But – is it? I shouldn't even say but. And it's go. really yeah. important that we introduce them to lots of other things mm-hmm. also. So if we want to find balance, instead of thinking as you're listening, oh, no. I mean, we have five girls at home. Does that yeah. mean I need to go get rid of all the dresses and right. the tiaras and all the pink? Yeah. Heavens no. Let's just add some other things to it to create a balance so that they recognize there's princesses and there's lots of other stuff too. Right. right? Well, and like Disney hit the – what's her name? The one from Brave. Oh, the princess Merida. from Brit- Merida. Merida. Yeah, she they, she came out, but mm-hmm. she wasn't like. I guess she's beautiful still, but and her hair. Right, her hair. I know. There's her something hair. to be said about her hair. <laughs> but it was always messed up, and always, and her face was mm-hmm. always dirty, and she was tomboyish. So 
But really, I guess the idea that the princess is that it's so focused on the beauty of it. Right. The prettiness of it. But she was bad to the bone. She was. And you can see the evolution, right? Yeah. If you start with, with right. early princesses. Cinderella that couldn't do She things. couldn't do anything right. for herself. And so it's that feeling that, you know, this damsel in distress. And we've seen that evolution. We've seen those yeah. things change and move as society has kind of forced right. those things yeah. to start changing. This is great. And so let's add some balance. Let's not think we have to abandon it. Let's just see what we can do to help our girls have all that they need yeah. so they can love that You're too. You're not right? just stuck up in some window right. in distress. Right. right. And who doesn't love a little girl in a princess dress? Oh, and so yeah. we That's don't want to we don't want to take it from them. But an older 23-year-old, 21-year-old yeah, not- <laughs> wearing a tiara, it gets extreme. That's so cool. It does. It, does. it gets a little old, right? Yeah. It does help myself esteem though <laughs> your self-esteem it's always about looks with him so okay. you, what do we work on how so do we change this the very first thing we're going to do is we have to focus on communicating our family values now here's why it's so important research shows us that if we don't tell our children what we believe they automatically assume we believe the opposite huh now that's a really that's big scary. fighting right yeah. so if we don't tell our girls that we believe in being brave in being strong in being honest, in having integrity, they automatically assume we don't believe those things to be important. Mm. So if we're constantly telling them that they're beautiful and things about looks and we're never telling them that we believe in these family values also, they automatically assume, oh, well, it's all about how I look and it has nothing to do with all those other things because my parents never talk about that. That's interesting because you could be watching TV. <laughs> Right. And see something on TV and you don't comment, but it's against your values. Right. It's exactly right. Then they might think, oh, dad must be okay with that because we just watched it. He didn't say anything about it. Yeah. Right. And so, and this goes for everything. So we have to communicate with our children what we think is important. If you value honesty, you better be talking about it. If you value hard work and good grades and accepting all people regardless of right, you better be talking about those things. Otherwise, they assume. Yeah. That you don't value any of those That's things. That's huge. Talk right? about your values. We've got to talk about them. And so remembering, too, that our children are going to identify with us. We are who they identify with as their parents. Right. So, again, we've got to identify, right, what it is that we want them to know. That's big. Yeah, that's big. So that's the first thing we're going to do. The next thing we're going to do is we are going to focus on ability over appearance. It I is like very it. easy, especially with girls. And like I said, we have five girls at home, our poor soul son who's all by himself. But our girls, you know, they already are asking, do I look pretty? Yeah. Does my hair look – Is this look nice on me? It's constant, right? They're feeling it at school, even very small. And so it's very easy to say, you look so pretty or that mm-hmm. dress is so pretty or yeah. your hair looks so nice. How about you're strong and that was brave of you to tell the truth? Right. And, and – point out where they're succeeding in their abilities. When we look at abilities, parents will say, what, what does that mean? What am I going to compliment? So here you go. Energy, effort, and skill. Energy, effort. Energy, effort, and skill. If you break it down that small, it makes it really easy as a parent to look at them. And instead of always be commenting on how they look or appear, you look so cute. That dress is so pretty. Instead, we're going to look at energy, effort, hmm. and skill. And that's going to help us hone I in I love on that it. because that those will never end, right? Never, never. Even I was just thinking about my son was telling me about his grades for this semester. <laughs> Should we all brace ourselves? Well, I, we okay? I, I, and then all I could think of is, man, you look great, son. You look so good. <laughs> there was a lack of there energy, effort, and skill. skill. There you, go. you look fantastic. <laughs> so um, that seems horrible. But one thing I was wondering, because like I noticed – in fact, I was just commenting to someone else about 
this this woman's pregnant and she may – they don't know the sex of the baby. Hmm. But I'm thinking, oh, I bet she wants a little girl because she's, she's got a son. She probably wants a little girl. Right. And then I thought, you know, it's because then she can go shopping with the girl. But sure. my wife loved the daughter and the hair and the dress and looking and picking out clothes. It's got to be weird for some moms to to – they want the daughter to sure. grow balanced. They do. They do. So we're not saying you don't compliment. Do that. But like right. be, still be into the hair if that's what you want to do or right. apparel or whatever. Right. But, but focus on energy, effort and skill along the also, way. Also, it's exactly right. And remember too, we know full well, especially women, they need to, they need to be told they're beautiful. Yeah. Right? We need to know those things from the people around us that love right. us. We need that support also. But if that's the only if place you're you focusing hear, your compliments right. or focusing your words and your energy – they're going to miss out on the fact that they have so many other strengths. Mm-hmm. And so realize that's how we're playing back into this effect of, yeah. of a print where it's all about your looks. It's all about so your true. looks. So go back to that energy, that effort and skill. Now, another key to this is being very, very specific. The more specific you can be, the easier it is for your child, especially young, to grab a hold of it and internalize it. Yeah. It also saves us when, like you're joking with your son, we look at them and we're like, I, I got nothing. Today. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing you're, for you you're right sure now. sure it's beautiful. Yeah. So to avoid that, if we can get really specific, right? So that means that even if you know our seven-year-old comes home and she got nine out of ten wrong on a math test – I'm going to look at the one she got right and yeah. I'm going to be that specific Interesting. that she has strength in addition because that yeah. addition problem she got right. That's right. Be very specific and it will open their minds to, OK, I can do this. They'll hold on to that. And when their looks yeah. fail them because they fail all of us. Believe me. I all, know. <laughs> and they'll fail us young and old. Yeah. They will always have something to know that their worth is based on much more than how they look or what they wear. Well, it, I guess it too, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you can't also address the other nine questions they missed. Or right. Whatever. Like right. What, what happened there? But but still find what's working. Right. Still validate the fact that they do have abilities, yeah. one, aside from their looks, and yeah. two, aside from their failures. We're all going to fail, yeah. right? And we're all going to struggle again with how we look in different situations. So go back to being specific about the ability. Hatch. Right? So we've got that ability. You're so killing it. always ability over appearance. Let's, let's take a break. Come back. We'll continue more with Heather Johnson. Uh, when we come back, again, go to her website, familyvolley.com. And pick up her book, Family Fun Fridays, uh, soon to be releasing Family Fun Saturdays through Thursdays. Great stuff. Stick with us. We're going to continue to uh, manage the princess effect right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Townsend Show. Heather Johnson's here from FamilyVolley.com. She's also teaches classes here on campus at Brigham Young University, basically about how to help your family build a strong, healthy unit and grow and and, and grow together. Uh, check out her uh, website, FamilyVolley.com, and her book, Family Fun Fridays. Today, she's talking to us about the princess effect, where our young ladies, our young women, our little girls become enamored with becoming so beautiful like a princess that they fail to grow in all of their other traits and characteristics. She's taught us so far we need to 
We need to focus um, on abilities, not appearance. Mm-hmm. We could we could talk more about their energy, their effort, their skills, everything else they're offering. Be specific with your praise about them. Don't always just default to their looks. Right. In fact, right. really, that'll come so naturally by grandparents and others that that maybe you could just de- you be the strong one that always is telling them their whole self, teaching right. them about who they really are. Yeah, because appearance. I mean, no matter how hard we try, we try. We can't save them from the fact that that's there always. It will always be there, right? And so that's something we worry about. So we can be the strength there. So other suggestions, we're going to start introducing our own role models. We don't want to let the princesses be the only women in their lives. Right. We don't. No. And so we want to find ways to introduce strong women to them also. So they've got this great – we're balancing, right? We're looking for balance. Now, the question I always get is, okay, that's great, but where am I going to find or who should I – is there like a right or wrong? Here's the first suggestion. Forget everything and go straight to your family history. I love that. Go straight to your family history. Look at your family tree. Go to even right grandmas. Go to great grandmas. Go to people you've actually grown up or know. Introduce your girls to those women. Those women. But you need to know these things. Like that's – go do a little genealogy because you've got a superstar somewhere in there. Absolutely. And really all you need is a characteristic or two, one or two values. That'll that'll carry you through, you know, 20 years. You oh, can, yeah. You can build off of great-grandma, you know, Elizabeth for a really right. long time. Right? My my mom was a single mom raising four kids, and she drew back on uh, a, hist- a member of our – one of our ancestors named Isabella Park, who at 60 years old, I believe, crossed the plains in a handcart company. Amazing. All by herself. And that for my mom was like, well, man, if my great great grandma can do that, absolutely, absolutely, that that's awesome. That's awesome. Then I can raise these kids. That's right. I can do anything. I can can do anything. And so we draw on that. But our girls don't know that unless we introduce them to these women. So do the research that you need. It won't take long. You probably already know these stories from family lore, and take those stories and introduce them. Now, a great way to do this too is when you see one of your girls exhibiting a characteristic that ties back to these women. Point it out. Hmm. Let them see it was really courageous of you to tell the truth even when your friends wanted you to lie. Yeah. Did you know that your great-grandmother had to tell the – and bring it right, right back. Bring it right back. They will draw strength from the fact that they are connected to these women. And these women, that's their that, that's their gene pool, right? It is. It is. This it's, is what's running through them. your body, right? right? I right. love that. And so that connection is so much bigger than who they see on a screen or on a yeah. tablet or on a phone. These are real tangible women. The cool thing about this is too is you can start bringing in pieces of their clothing. I mean you can bring in anything about them that you've even got laying around. They have real pictures Pull them out and let them see that. So don't wonder where you're going to go. Don't do research on other people. Do research on your own Mm -hmm. family. That is so cool. It'll strengthen in a million ways. And it could just – and it it could be anything. It It could could be be. a great-grandma that worked during World War II or whatever and – you know, carried a wrench and sure. made it happen. Absolutely. Or the one that stayed home and raised the family. I mean, it's it could. There's so many stories, and just knowing the stories, you just can kind of. I guess you just kind of pare it down to fit their life, right? And their age and what fits. It's and we and we don't even have to think. Just like you're saying, it doesn't have to be monumental. No. My grandmother, so our children's great grandmother, had an unbelievable way to laugh at herself. She had this ability to take anything happening and and. 
and look back at herself and say, it's okay, we all make mistakes and laugh. And so it's a characteristic that I've tried to pass on to our girls. We're going to mess up. That's cool. So we can either yell at ourselves, we can either hold grudges, or you know what? So I did. Yeah. I laughed. It's okay. That's I laughed. It. And we move on. And they know that Grandma Elizabeth was like that. But then they're like, but wasn't Grandma Elizabeth the one that went crazy, Mom? <laughs> no, no, no. That was on the other side. That was no, on that your, was dad's your dad's side. side. That was on your dad's side. <laughs> it's so no true. crazies on our side. It's Only so on that side. true. So introduce your own. Don't let princesses be the end all be all. That's just, great. just add yeah. more women to their pool I love that, that they love. Really easy to do. Okay, the next one. We are going to expand their toy box and we are going to introduce sports. There's this crazy misnomer, and we all do it. You have a girl, which means pink, purple, and dolls. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid it means building blocks and blue and some gray. Throw in a ball. And a ball, right? Right. Heaven forbid we give them a golf club or we give them a, you know. Tennis racket. Anything. Let's give them something. So look at that toy box. Look at the colors. Look at the shapes. Look at the options and make it bigger. Introduce those things. If you don't know where to start, think exact opposite. Think if I had a boy, what would I give him? Yeah. Put it in that Put it box. In and to be honest, if you have a boy and his box is all blue and blocks and balls, look at it and say, if I had a girl, what would be in yeah, there? Yeah, throw a doll or something. We do. But now, if the, if the girl ends up treating <clears throat> the fire truck like a baby, awesome. Fine. Awesome, right? It's just a baby fire truck. It's, it's great. And isn't that great? It's and it's red and, and it's. it's let her do whatever she wants to right, it. Right, right. But it's. We're going to normalize but it. But introduce it, right? It's cool. We even know there's actually some really fun research if we flip it that looks at boys who have little dolls when they're young. Yeah. They actually are more compassionate fathers. They learn. Yeah, they care. Right. They care. And so let's do it the other way. Let's introduce them. So after we do that, we are going to broaden their horizons when it comes to their activities. We've got to get our girls involved in sports. I'll, I'll be an advocate forever because the power behind it is monumental. Oh, yeah. Team sports. We know that girls who are in team sports – do better in school, have less self-esteem issues. They feel much better about themselves and are less likely to run in things like to things like eating disorders. But princesses dance. I, then let's do some dancing let's too. Let's dance. Go ahead and dance. But let's also have an option of kicking a yeah. soccer ball or throwing a ball. What it does is it shows us that our bodies can do more than just Grace magazine covers. Mm. They're strong. Yeah. Legs can kick. Right. And arms can throw. And brains can think and put it all together. And so we introduce them to those things. They uh, you know, strong. my daughter, Sarah, she can take on any guy. Any guy. In almost any sport. And isn't it the coolest thing yeah. ever? It, and right? it's so attractive. It is attractive. Like it's my son-in-law was more attracted to that than her right. incredible beauty. <laughs> right. It's just that girl can throw a ball. <laughs> and so he looks at both and it's like, and this is yeah, what we call exactly. an, a whole packet, right? It's so great. It's what you're looking for. Plus, remember, you've got kids you're eventually probably going to have in a family. Right. And, and they want involvement too. The other thing about this is when we get them into sports and they can see what their bodies do and they can subscribe that to the people around them, they then start to look at role models who then support those things their bodies can do huh. instead of only beauty. Yeah. So instead of it being a model who weighs 92 pounds and hasn't eaten in months, right? Right. They're looking at Mia Hamm who is strong and is on a milk commercial right. because she plays soccer and so do they. So it's another place for you to find role models that can support. And you could really do that exact same thing with educational with endeavors, with anything. musical endeavors. Right. So then all of a sudden you spread this out to five or six different areas. Right, right. And you've got role models. All over the place. Oh, it's powerful. Right? You've and got one minute. What, what's, the, what's the tip of oh, all I, tips? Okay. I want you – it's an exercise. Okay. Talk back to the screen. Ooh. Sit with your girls 
And when you see things on television, and you commented about this at the beginning, I want you to talk back to the screen when you see values that you support or don't support. Be a third-party narrator. So if something happens on the screen, look at it and say, man, did you see how she told the truth even when it was hard? That's great. That's that's courageous. What that if everyone's like, damn, quiet. Shh. You work right yeah, through it, yeah. right? Pause it. We can all pause the TV now mm-hmm. and then start it up again. That's great. And if you see something opposite, you look at it. Our girls hear from me all the time. I'll say, hey, is that how friends should treat one, one another? I don't really like how those girls are treating each other. What do you think? Now, they'll start to balance themselves. Our five-year-old now, if she sees two girls on TV acting contrary to how we believe in our home, she'll turn it off. And she comes to me and she's like, Mom, they're not treating each other very nice. Oh, that's so great. Right? So now we've given that's them great. a way to balance their own yeah. princess effect, balance their own experiences. But talk back to it. They'll hear it. They'll listen. Yeah. Even if they don't you know, speak up about it, you'll be in really good shape. And they become an agent. Earlier we were talking about uh, the media – if you can be passive to it or right. active with it, right. and that's being active. Take on what you're seeing in the media. Turn it off. Talk about it. Right, right. Be an agent in your life. Right. Heather, you did it again. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Go check out the website, familyvolley.com. And uh, Family Fun Fridays is her book. She's, uh, she's, a, she's a resource you do not want to lose. So, uh, Hadge, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for letting me. We will be back, folks, visiting our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. Back with Sports Nation in two minutes. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Great tunes. As we uh, send it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, governor. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Well, Jeremy's Jerem, doing really well because he has just uh, candified his microphone. He, and what I mean by that is he has literally placed Gushers fruit snacks Ooh. on his microphone. Why? I think I understand. You, he, you. Somebody gave him sugar, and now he's all sugared up because he's even singing the songs. I think that today's show will be amazing. You guys, you can't give him sugar too early. Uh yes, we can. Is that how you keep him up? Yeah. You pumping up your man. Jerem wakes up with sugar running, pulsing through his veins. I wish. Jerem's got more energy per pound. Than <laughs> any other person on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> than Conor McGregor. <laughs> hey, um, here's a question for you. Do you guys like uh, you like the Big Mac? I love Big Macs. I, I haven't had a Big Mac in forever. Well, let's do it's it like today. An Two for five right now. Is it? Yeah. Is that good? It's a great. You deal. know what's even better? What? As my bro-in-law, who's like kind of a comedian, he's awesome. He's going to be mad if he hears that I said kind of. He's a comedian. He's a total comedian. He went through the drive-thru. He sent a Snapchat out. There, there's four for four, you know, and five for four. Going. Yeah. So he pulls up to a drive-thru yesterday, and he goes, hi, uh, can I have that faux faux faux? They're like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, the faux faux faux. Faux faux faux? Oh, yeah. <laughs> four, four, four? Faux faux faux. Did, he, did they oblige? Yes. Okay. Faux faux faux. Faux faux faux. So this would be a two faux five. Two faux five. <laughs> two faux five. 
Does the Big Mac, I don't know if you heard this, you might not need to order two from now on because the Big Mac is coming out with a Grand Mac, a bigger. McDonald's is doing a bigger version of the Big Mac. Mm-hmm. A Big Mac, a better Mac, and a best Mac. It's uh, The only difference in the new sandwich is the size. They're both dressed with the ubiquitous lettuce, American cheese, pickles, onion, special sauce on the sesame seed bun. The difference with the Grand Mac is it comes on a bigger bun. And it features features two point seven ounce patties. The Grand Mac sounds... quarter pounder basically. Grand, Grand Mac is probably a rapper's name. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like that's just what I was gonna say. Grand, Grand, Grand Mac. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> we whack. Or like a really, really, really old guy from Ireland. Grand Mac is Conor McGregor's great grandpa. See. <laughs> See, I knew it. If oh. I just set it up, you would then bring me the voice. Isn't it the Sugar Hill Gang that did the? I'll uh, be shooting for my did, own hand. That did Rapper's Delight. <laughs> Is that you know right? what? I have no. Idea. I'm not up on the <laughs> rap. Yeah, Sugar Hill Gang. Like Grand Mac should be one of the guys for Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you guys turn this a whole different direction. Uh, it's about to go a really weird direction now. You want to know why? Why? That just, that just spurred a thought. What's going to happen? You want to know what my nickname was in seventh grade? What? Sugar what? Daddy. Spen Mac. Spen Mac! <laughs> Are you serious? Yes! Yes! <laughs> why were, were you, a, would you spin? You'd spin the, you'd spin the vinyl? No, Spend- as in Spencer. Oh, Spen Mac. As in Spender. Spen Mac. Man. Spen Mac. Spen Mac. Yes. Wow. Yes. Ben, you Big were cool. Spen Mac Daddy. The eighth and ninth grade basketball players. Called me Spen, Spen Mac, Spen Mac Daddy, <laughs> and Daddy. They added Daddy, Spen Mac Daddy. This is uh, mid nineties. Yes, one eight hundred Spen Mac. Holy I, I mean, cow. it became like this. No, this is great. This is good information. That's a phone number because it's seven. Jerem, what's your? What was your nickname? I moved a lot, so new kid. Uh, was, new kid. I, went, I think I went to. Six, hey, new kid. I went to six elementary schools. So that's new, amazing. New kid. Wow. Jer- Jerome. Jerome. Jaren, uh, germ was one I didn't really like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at the germ. He's germ. the new kid. Germ. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got one. My nickname, not to brag, was uh, Reggie. Now, if you can tell uh, me the sports character I was named after for having won a little league game, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. You were Mr. October. Mr. October. I was Mr. October. Fourth inning, which is as far as we could go. I was playing the number one team in little league. My best friend was pitching. We were down by you have any dramatic music to one back, point. To put in the background. Yeah, we're getting it right now. Down, down by one point. You're down one point one, or one, one run. One, one well, run. sorry, down by one run. A guy one on run. first and second. One team, one okay. man. I'm up to bat. Two okay. balls, two strike. This is not setting the right <laughs> mood. This is not setting the right tone. He pitches at my best friend's pitching, and I closed my eyes. Hit the ball. It flew over the right or the first baseman's head, hit fair, spun out with spin out of bounds, but it was still fair. And I had a stand up double, won the game. Won the game. Matt Townsend with the The walk off. off. AKA Reggie, they called me. Reggie! Reggie! That's awesome. It was huge. Made my life. I also made the All Star team that year. Not to brag. Terrible for this. I know. You know what that is? That's just my board op. He's just a day late and a dollar short. He's doing his best. Actually, you're exactly right.
<laughs> that is his very best right there. We have uh, that's his passive aggressive way of getting back at me. Nice. Actually, on the show we have uh, on BYU Sports Nation, we have like the Inception sound. Ooh. If you ever say anything yeah. super dramatic? Yeah, you know. That's see. Sometimes we do movie trailers like leading up to a big game or something. You, you know what? That no, that. you know what? We that do, was a good story. It would it, there would have been like building tension. No, I know. Then, no, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, you need to see the the first movie trailer we did when the simulcast was launched. Yeah, Jerem, I'm gonna go look it up. Breaking it down. Someone said they were riding a bus listening to it, and that they audibly cheered right after it was. Finished. <laughs> wow, was that your mother <laughs> at Sports Bros? That, okay, I'm gonna go look this up. They're in Vancouver. Yeah, what would it be? What would it be called? BYU football, the trailer. I don't. Uh, I gotta find it. It wasn't Matt. that good. But, but you posted you. it right on. You Here's, posted it. Let me tell you a little secret about our show. What? We don't know if it's actually we're actually funny or good, but we think we are. That's half the battle. So then you watch. You like those guys think that they're funny. <laughs> so I'm gonna laugh at the fact that they yeah. think they're funny. Yeah. That's that's part of the magic of the show. See, and you know what? We, let me just tell you, you are out. funny. We think we're funny. And that, I mean, yeah, you're hilarious. Seriously, it's funny. Hey, we think we're funny. Y- you got to tell us what's on the show, though. Oh, yeah. Because it, I want to know if it's going to be funny. How many wins do you expect BYU to have? What would be a successful season with one total? <laughs> oh, hilarious. Wait, that's not funny. Okay, that's not funny. That, okay. The, Phil Steele came out and said that BYU has the seventh toughest schedule in going into next year. Now, that is interesting. Because so, he was harder said than it was that. 55th. Okay. And Phil Steele says it's the number like seven in strength toughest. of schedule based on what they think the teams will be this year. Okay. Phil Steele is going off of last year's record. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think would be a successful season? We'll tell you our number. Yeah. It's out of 12 That's regular good. season games. That's good. That's good. Anything Chad else? Lewis, all pro tight end will join us. Brendan Sander of the number one ranked men's volleyball team. And Nicolette Polson of women's tennis as well. Man. Locked and loaded. Let's yeah. do it. Plus, on top of it, it'll be hilari- hilarious. With Spen Mack... And germ. With germ. <laughs> That's so sad. All right, guys, have a great show. Thank you. Both Spend Mac and Germ. You can <laughs> you can listen to them at the top of the hour. <laughs> have a great show. Jaumen. Good stuff. They're knocking them dead. See how fast they are? Ben, um, we are gonna meet after the show. We are going to meet after the show. I thought that was pretty good music for the story you were. Well, just, just from what I imagined, how you actually did, yeah, that. No, I thought it was good. It was I was Reggie Jackson, winning the game for the Orange Majors. Do you know how hard it is to have a team called the Orange Majors against the Green Majors? And I hit it. I stand up double. Are you kidding me? Holy cow! How old were you? I was probably fourteen, thirteen. Went right to the All Stars. The the every it was packed because right after this game they were going to give out the team awards and all of the trophies for the entire league. And Reggie walks it out. Incredible. Hey, uh, another fun story for you, by the way. Um, you know, we like to end with a hero story. Check this story out. An elderly man passes out mowing his lawn. The EMT finishes the job for him. California man's photo on Facebook about an incredible act of kindness has gone viral. Ken Densley said his father, who was born in 1929, refuses to let anyone else mow the lawn. On Saturday, the elderly man was working on his yard when he pushed too hard and he passed out. 
According to Densley's neighbors, they saw what happened and they called 911. He's okay and refused to go to the hospital, Densley said. My sister and I came as soon as we heard. Uh, according to topfox9.com uh, website, Densley said that as they were taking his dad back inside, he noticed something else. One of the EMTs from the fire department put the gurney away and the other finished mowing the lawn. Densley told the EMT mowing the lawn that he would do that, but he said the first responder insisted. He finished and even put the mower away. Densley took a picture of the EMT and shared it on Facebook. The photo now has more than 10,000 likes and is shared uh, to almost 2,000 shares. Densley said that, uh, you know, they ended up taking his father, who's about 87, to the hospital on Saturday. He was discharged on Sunday, but he's doing great. He also was promised to, to let us mow the lawn from now on. So the hero of the day, just an anonymous EMT that decided to just do what needed to be done. How cool is that? Again, these are the heroes out there. You don't have to be an EMT or a firefighter to be a hero. Sometimes you just have to see what needs to be done and do it. Don't ask for you know fame, fortune from it. Just get it done. So I challenge all of us to uh, go take the lessons we've learned today and let's go make the life uh, for someone else a little easier. Let's give a little bit more of ourselves, share more, be more open, apologize where we need to, basic stuff. Thanks again. We can't do the show without you. If you want to go back and listen to any of our past shows, you can go to iTunes to tune in. Go look up the BYU Radio app for iOS or Android, and you can download all of the stuff we've ever done, plus every other show here at BYU Radio. Again, until tomorrow, take care of each other. Watch out for your uh, your friends, your family, and let's make it a great one. Until tomorrow, take care. <laughs>